Hi, guys. This is Ted White, and you're listening to The Skeleton Crew. Oh, good. Jason, uh, Ted's here. Hey, Ted? Ted, hey, Ted, where the hell's the corkscrew? <laughs> oh, my face. My hand. Oh, God. Guys, oh, look what Ted did to me. He's killing me. Why are you laughing? Why is it so funny? Oh, Jimbo. Oh, thank God, Jimbo. Oh, you're the only normal one in here. I said that I wanted to talk to you for a second. Talk to me about what? I have a machete in my face. Today was, um, was, uh, was I... Well, spit it out. I'm getting a little woozy here. Was I a dead fuck? <gasps> I'm gonna be a dead fuck if you don't get me to the hospital, you asshole! see if tonight was really the failure night I thought it was. Let's see, I'm going to run it through the old computer and see what it comes up with. He sounds like a dead fuck. What? A dead fuck? Yes, dead fuck. This is ridiculous. Hey, lousy lay. Oh, just give it to me straight. I can handle it. You know, there's no such thing as computer intelligence anyway, so... And there is no DJ Betty either. <laughs> you son of a bitch. You are listening to the skeleton crew. Alex is a dead fuck just like Jimbo. You're listening to the skeleton crew exclusively on Harbit.com and the Horrorphilia Podcast Network. All right, all you skeleton crew, thrill me, you sons of bitches. Big fan of your show, me and the other guy who listens. Um, I think it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> oh, no. No, we have no suits. Oh, sorry guys, uh, these these chicks, really hot chicks, just wanted to go skinny dipping. I had to tell them, no, we got a show to do, and I have no suit, so. Twins. Oh my god, look at the pack of patooties on, wait, where's it go? Patootsies, <laughs> some pack of patootsies, huh? Hey Trish, party tonight! <laughs> Did that guy come off creepy, the guy with the slingshot, when he was fucking with that girl? Like, all those looks he gave was just like, hmm, like, insert 80s look here. In what movie?
Friday four. Friday four. Huh? Are you mixing part two? Oh, <laughs> dude, that's Scott. Yeah, yeah right. He's right. He's right. Oh, that is part two. <laughs> Holy shit! And these people are depending on your analysis of this movie. Listen, Friday Four is really good. I think Demon is the best character in it. <laughs> I fucking hate you. <laughs> hey man, I worked a long day. I don't know what's going on right now. Well, we're gonna we're gonna get into the final chapter. How Steve Christie wanted to start the camp up again. How Megan's father was the sheriff, and uh, you know how Rennie and the uh, Statue of Liberty necklace. And then that weird telepathic chick is just really weird in this movie. I don't know. But... <laughs> and then after Tommy Jarvis kills Jason, that worm crawls out of his mouth and they freeze him. And then Freddy comes around. <laughs> All right, Dan. Get out of here. All right, yeah, so guys, uh, we're back. Really big show. How often does Jason Voorhees himself come on to a radio show that's based on horror. That's not Kane Hodder? That's not Kane Hodder. Oh, it never happens. Yeah. If Kane Hodder was here, I would love to tell him how much uh, I appreciate his passion for that character, too. Yeah, do we... <laughs> yeah. Do we really... <laughs> do we really hate Kane Hodder as much as we, we play it up to be, really? I don't hate him. I, I hate half of his movies. <laughs> Uh, him playing himself on Holliston recently, I think he fucking killed it. And it shows he's got a sense of humor, so... Yeah, Dude, I'm just mad him. that he choked me out. Well, after what you said to him, I would too. I, see, he actually referenced that on the uh, Holliston season one called... Uh, what was that called, dude? The one where they go to the convention, the horror convention? I think it was called horror convention. Was it? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. He said... Oh, sorry. No, he was talking about that in the behind the scenes on the Holliston Blu-ray. And he said, you know, sometimes uh, when he when he punched out Joe Lynch, he goes in the interview, he's like, yeah, you know, I've been to a lot of conventions. Some people, most people are nice, but some people are really, <laughs> really offensive to me. And I swear, like, my whole life just flashed before my eyes. I was like, he's talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> and what exactly did you say? Just just so if, if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, what did you say to Kane <laughs> He's not like that bad, but I think it's fucking hilarious. I was my friend was getting his pictures signed, and I already met Kane Hodder. I already got you know all that stuff. So I decided to get deeper into the conversation this time, and I said, uh, "So, so uh, what do you think about the new Friday Thirteenth remake, man?" And I forgot what he said, and then I go, "Then I don't know how it led. Something led to him being in it." And then I go, really? You really think you should have been in that? <laughs> and then he just looked at me and just stared for like three seconds. And I was just looking at him. <laughs> and then I just looked at my friend. And then my friend goes, okay, so do you want to take a picture? And he goes, yeah, I'll take a picture of your friend too. And I was like, oh, I already have one. He goes, that's all right. <laughs> oh, so he, oh, so he wanted to fucking choke your ass out. Yeah, I should have realized that that Posey does when he said that. And then uh, I just walked over, and then he strangled me. And it really hurt. And then he said, take another one. I said, no, it's fine. 
I didn't blink. Kane Hodder, man, this is his whole life, dude. He's like, I am Jason. He's got Jason on his fucking inner lip, and he's just Alex. Like, you really think? <laughs> well, why, why does he think he should have played him in the remake? Yeah, but it's just like to me, it's just so funny because it's like, okay, yeah, you can see that, but you just saying that to him, like, yeah, yeah, nice to meet you. Well, why do you think you should be? <laughs> it's just so. You know, funny. I think I said it more nice. I was probably like, you really think you should have been in it? Right, right. I think I said it like that. I think but... I may have liked it if he were in it. No, no, Derek Mears did good. I didn't know. I did not like Jason at all in the remake. Not at all. No? No. That's weird. Because I didn't like anything about that movie. But really? oh. I don't like, I mean, he's all like hippity hopping around like Ninja Jason. Like he just pops up everywhere and, and but in weird places. Like I'm on the roof. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Oh, but hey, we're about to review a movie that just did that, Jamie. <laughs> so let's not get too judgmental about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, that was probably an homage. It's an homage. <laughs> or a homage. What's it called? Homage? Homage. Or a, hem- a hem- hemorrhage. You can say, you can say homage, or you can say homage. I say homage. Say homage. Don't say homage. Homage. I like homage. For now on, everybody say that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's the official Skeleton Crew pronunciation. (laughs) We got our drinks, our food, our breakfast, our words. We have Matt Wiesel. Oh, by the way, let's talk about Matt real quick. Matt Wiesel and Dave Z. They just released Banana Laser number one. It was about Motel Hell and the Fun House. And then they had Terror Dome. Check that out. It's on Harbid, iTunes. Episode was hilarious to this one point where um, Matt does a the more you know segment. Do-do-do. Like it's so fucking hilarious, dude. Yeah, check out that show, dude. It's it's uh, those guys are awesome, dude. I'll just say yeah. that. So check that out and you'll see why. I like when Dave's talking about he's walking around in his Michael Myers mask and his daughter is the <laughs> scream for Halloween and he can't even see out of it. And he's in the he's in the middle of the night in the streets walking around with it. <laughs> I've done that, man. I used to go out as Frankenstein every year because I was trying to be different. When all my friends moved on to do all the slashers of the 80s and stuff, I still, like, rock the Frankenstein mask. Yeah, dude, I do that too, man. One, <laughs> one year, this is so, I swear to God, Alex, I'll find a picture too. One year, I went as a banana just because, because, like, I, I'm known as, like, oh, yeah, Dan loves horror movies. I'm like, fuck this. I'm going as a banana. <laughs> I went as a chunk of cheese. Exactly. And a postage stamp. That I made myself. Did you have a rat hanging from the cheese? No. <laughs> you should have had the rat's ass and his tail out of like the end of a. I didn't even think of that. That's such a defensive. Oh, horror. a dollar bill I drew and and I I made that one too. Yeah. Yeah. You wait. You were a dollar bill. Yeah. I what? love. I always make my costumes. I've been all kinds of crazy shit. I was a piece of gum under a table <laughs> one year. What? Alrighty then. I wore all pink and I constructed a table out of a pizza box and some paper towel rolls and I painted them brown and then I put a little piece of cloth on top for a, a tablecloth and then I glued a vase to it with some flowers sticking out and I strapped it to my head. You were weirder than anybody ever knew. <laughs> that was just a few years ago. <laughs> I wasn't a kid. <laughs> Well, everybody does shit like that, like hardcore. I don't. Horror fan. You just said you did. You went as Frankenstein. A piece of gum? A fr- no, I'm saying go. With- oh, Frankenstein. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like going against the norm, dude. <laughs> 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 oh, 
Frankenstein's a lot different than a piece of gum. Try to divide these sentences up, Dan. Yeah. We're still in the gum conversation. Go I ahead. thought you knew what I was talking about. I thought no, I'm, I'm still on the gum. I thought you, <laughs> yeah, you kick it off. You kick it off at Come like Come on, that. that's a clever, clever costume. Why didn't you dress up as a gigantic shoe with toilet paper sticking to the bottom of it? I have not done that yet. Oh, my God. Well, <clears throat> Yes, Banana Laser. Check that out, guys. <laughs> it's on Horophilia, iTunes, YouTube, Horrorbid.com. Let's go. Okay. So everybody, we want to thank everyone from the top of our hearts for all the nice things that you guys said about the Adam Green interview. It is known as the greatest we've ever done. Well, I want to thank him from the bottom of our hearts, personally. I thank you for my aorta. <laughs> I still can't get over that fucking interview, man. I had so much fun, dude. And, uh, yeah, man, you killed it. You were fucking on fire in that one. And I th- Oh, you were. No, 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 you are. But, uh, I think... Guys, you can stop sucking each other's dicks. Dan, compliment me and I'll compliment you. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, all right. I'll go, you go. Ready? From Alex, like, hating Adam Green from the first one. Because, no, he didn't hate him. But I remember <laughs> for the first time, dude, I was so excited and nervous. Alex gets on and goes, oh, Jesus it was the show's first interview and it was adam green i was like well what are we gonna talk to him about and we were trying to set everything up and make everything right so we were not stressed out but we were you know it was our first interview so we didn't want to fuck it up and you were just like oh jesus christ (laughs) so but yeah from from there to here though man it's fucking like night and day dude it's like oh god because i think you watched obviously you know hatchet a lot more and then you finally got into holliston thank god which is the fucking greatest show no dude that interview got me into holliston so besides that though that was part Uh. of the fucking (laughs) that was part of the um the the key part of the transformation so yeah man i was fucking pumped dude that was like okay it's been a little while since it's happened now too but i i seriously think that's my favorite interview too used to say that about the first one we did with him and i said to you dan that was like our worst interview we were so stiff the questions were so okay thank you next what do you think then he answered then we went to thank you next right. <laughs> like that's how that was and to me i didn't get what you were liking about that and uh you know that was the first one dude we were nervous it was our first time completely alone except for i did two interviews alone which i do want to eventually play to everybody but uh one day we'll put the, put those on the show i think for a first interview man it wasn't that great it sucked it sucked, and you know you could tell because like Ryan Lewis, our good friend, he just interviewed Adam Green, and he did a great job. So it only goes to show you that you don't always suck the first time you try something. And it was his first time doing uh, doing an interview too. Yeah, isn't that weird, dude? That was our first, and that was his first. Interview. Yeah, and his yeah, but dude, I prefer to suck on when I start things out. <laughs> I shouldn't. If, anyone can isolate that? Yes. Oh god, <laughs> that'll make up for my fucking stupid shit I said earlier in the show. But imagine um, if somebody says, "Do you do you prefer to suck dick or eat pussy?" And I go, "I prefer to suck." No, okay, <laughs> I'm glad it doesn't work. <laughs> okay, so anyway, I like the contrast of that, and then you listen to this one. Oh, dude, that's the that's the whole fucking thing, man. Yeah, I love it. It's time to talk to Jason Voorhees yes. himself. Ted White, Jason Voorhees from Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Dan, do you see him? Jamie, look out the window. Wait, Jamie, where are you going? No. 
What are you doing? Stay. You're leaving? <laughs> Jamie. Gary! Come on, he doesn't really kill people. Uh... He gets one out. Why are you leaving again? I don't get this. You left when Adam Green came in and he drugged you and stuff, and and now... Man, I saw his interview when he was on Arsenio Hall, like, back in the day. <laughs> he is scary. Oh. <laughs> well, unfortunately, the microphone we're going to have Ted White on, it's going to sound really tinny and crumbly like a phone. Right. But he's actually coming into the dungeon, just like Adam Green and, and, and um, Adrian King. Yes. <laughs> right, 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 of course. Matt Wazell came in. <laughs> okay, this is going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I see Alex and Dan. Jamie, you look so good today. Aww. Why am I surprised? Thank you. What are you trying to kiss up for? Oh, I just want you to hear some of these interviews that you keep leaving for. Oh. All right. Well, I'll stay. I'll, I'll stay. But I'm going to be in the corner. Oh, here he is. Oh, Ted, here he is. He's coming. All right. Well, we'll be right back. We'll get Ted situated here. I mean, Jason. We'll get Jason Voorhees situated. And we'll be right back. As the story goes, one day in 1957, Jason drowns in the lake at the young age of 11. The counselors ain't hear nothing. They were too busy bunking. He gasped for his last breath, trying to reach for something. That was all they saw. This kid was reported drowned. They searched Crystal Lake, but his body was never found. Mommy broke down and cried. Her only son died. Why, little Jason, that's all she had in her life. But Mommy just snapped. She said, I'm getting him back. Time heals all wounds, but she never could adapt to the fact the baby boy is never coming back. Those two responsible assholes had better watch the back, but they didn't the day. The bodies are laying in the mud I'd like to welcome you all to Camp Blood It's only time they find out what it's all about Now it's time, it's lights out And no one's getting out, bitch Right The skeleton crew Ted, it's it's really great It's really an honor to talk to you Dan and I are really big fans And your body of work is incredible You work with some of the greatest in Hollywood Clark Gable, John Wayne Rock Hudson and Corey Feldman, oh. and that must be. <laughs> <laughs> you put Corey Feldman with them. Well, that's, well, Corey, that's quite an honor, Corey. You've got bestowed upon you. <laughs> John Wayne and Corey Feldman. <laughs> yeah, right. Corey comes back to his kneecap. <laughs> yeah, Corey. Yeah, we were, we were talking about that when when Corey Feldman walked up to you and and slit, hit you in the head with a machete. He grew about four feet tall at that point. I think, right? <laughs> yeah, well, he, was, he was he was looking forward to that through the whole movie. And uh, you know, Corey and I uh, were like uh, oil and water. Uh, really. Every time he got around me, he was very mischievous, and he found some way, some ways to torment me. And because I only had one eye, he would get on my blind side and either stick me with a sharp stick or hit me on the back and then run. And consequently, I got into a hate-love relationship. <laughs> Every time wow. he'd get close to me, his mother would say, stay away from Ted completely. But he'd get close to me, and if I'd catch him just right, I'd pinch him, and he would just cry and run to his mother. And he said, he's he's, he said I told you to stay away from Jason. Wow. <laughs> He's such a tough guy on film. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I run into him uh, uh, in Chicago uh, last year and at a uh, convention, and I had not seen him since uh, we'd met, since we'd worked together. 
on Friday the 13th, and he came over and had his hand out, and he said, it's all forgotten, and I said, it was never even mentioned, Corey. I said, how are you? And people come running over and start, start taking pictures of the two of us right? together. Because uh, I would. That <laughs> he's all grown up, and he's a nice young man. Yeah. Oh, I, and, and I, I'd be the first one uh, snapping those pictures, Ted, because I don't know what it is about four. Well, there's a lot of things about about Friday the 13th, but four that, that everybody loves. Um, I know it's it's definitely um, me and Alex's favorite. It's definitely up there. What, what is it to you that you think separates that movie from, from the rest of the series? Well, I can only tell you what uh, my part was in that, uh, if I had a part in it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had I had never done a Friday the 13th, nor had I ever seen one of the movies. And wow. uh, when they when they hired me, uh, I said, "Well, guys, uh, I think I better take a look at some of this stuff and, and see what Jason does." <laughs> and uh, so my son, being a horror fan, uh, my youngest son uh, had several films, and uh, I looked I looked at two or three of them. And I watched uh, how Jason moved and so forth, and uh, I kind of made up my mind of uh, that I was going to do a little bit different. And in as much as uh, when I was on the set, I spoke to nobody in the cast whatsoever, and I sat way mm. away from them. Mm. Uh, and I made that a habit every day. Uh, and the first week, uh, Joe Zito was our director. Yep. He went to uh, the producer, and uh, he said, "What's wrong with this guy, Ted White?" And he said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, he doesn't associate with anybody. <laughs> and he's off by himself, and uh, it's like uh, he's a big star and uh, doesn't have time to talk to the cast and this and that. <laughs> and so Mancusco Jr. was the executive producer, and he said, I think you would just better leave Ted alone. Uh, <laughs> he's worked on some big movies, and he knows his way around the set, and you won't have any problem with him. I think he's got an idea of what he's trying to do. And he said, well... So far this week, we've we've uh, big, watched him do some action stuff, and he doesn't move like the other Jasons. And he said, "What respect?" He said, "Well, he's not moving with that Boris Karloff type." He said, "Like we've always thought we'd have, mm-hmm. he's moving just like a regular man. He's running." And he yep. said, "Well, we're watching the dailies, and we kind of like what he's doing." So that uh, that was <laughs> somewhat of a theme that carried on throughout the movie, and that's that's the way I played it. And uh, uh, the only time I, I talked to the cast was when we had one of those things to do where I'm supposed to be killing him, and uh, I had to make him feel very comfortable in the fact that I wasn't going to hurt anybody. Right. Uh, I'm six foot four, and at that time I was 230 pounds, and <laughs> uh, I, I just talked to him, and when I got him to relax, that's when we got the best performance out of him. Nice. Yeah, you did. You did an amazing job. We always felt you were more like visceral and brutal and menacing as Jason. <laughs> and it's. I'm glad that you took that approach. And I don't know. Did you? Did you watch any of the other Friday Thirteenths after yours? Once you realize you're part of such a big thing, or no? No, I didn't. Uh, I, I've met all of them. Uh, fortunately, uh, what a bunch of nice guys. Uh, and you know, we lost one recently. And, yes. Uh, right. Yeah, uh, but anyway, no, I've met them all and worked with all of them. Uh, different occasions, we've had four or five of us together. One time, we had all of us together here in Los Angeles. Uh, all of them, nice guys. Uh, every one of them. I mean, they're just uh, a wonderful. But just speaking of nice guys and so forth, uh, I have to say this: I, 
and I'm not saying it in a braggadocious way, but I have done a lot of major motion pictures. Right. And yeah. I've, I've, I've gone on speaking engagements in regards to these motion pictures that I've done. Mm-hmm. But I want to say this without any reservations whatsoever. The people that I have met on these various shows that I've gone to, these uh, conventions where yeah. I'm signing autographs, mm-hmm. have been without a doubt the most, the, the nicest, most polite people I have ever met. Anything concerned with the motion picture business, they outrank them 110%. Wow. And I'm going to tell you what, the tattoos, yep. uh, <laughs> all of it doesn't make a bit of difference. I have met some of the finest people, and I, and I still, I get letters from them, I get emails from them. Uh, they're just some great, great people, and I want people to know that I feel that way. Thank you. We appreciate that, that you see the love that we have and the passion for what you did. And, you know, a lot of times people in your position, they're like, yeah, well, I, it was, come on, it was a dumb movie. I could care less. Yeah, just give me 20 bucks. I'll take a picture. I'll sign an again. Okay, kid. But you, I, I, I actually met you in uh, probably like five years ago at a convention. We talked, and that's how I, you know, you gave where, me where, your... Where, 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 where? Uh, Cherry, Cherry Hill, probably. Oh, yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. So, and you were the nicest guy. You really, really embraced people, and that's that's what we love about talking to people and in interviews and stuff, and finding out that you you are worth the attention and love that you get because you embrace it and you appreciate it, just like we appreciate what you do. You know, and 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 the funny thing about that is, the way this all started with you, you had zero interest in doing this movie. You were asked, you passed it up, and then you know you, you said in Crystal Lake Memories that. You eventually, you know, started looking at the dollar signs and you were like, hey, look, I did it for a paycheck and you had no interest in it. So my question is, you you had all that hassle with the Joe Zito. You weren't into what you did. And then years later, what made you embrace being Jason Voorhees? Like what what turned it around and, and you, you know, really took in what well, you did then? This is what I can tell you. Uh, after I finished it, uh, maybe uh, eight months or nine months after I finished it and it came out, I started getting calls from different uh, uh, producers all over the country wanting me to come to one of their conventions. And uh, mm-hmm. I, and I said, well, I really don't do that type of work, and I don't have an agent that represents me that way. I have a theatrical agent, and I said, right. uh, I, I don't know that, that I would work for anything like that, so I'm, I'm going to have to decline. And I kept doing that. Uh, Twenty years went by, and uh, uh, I got called and called, and I just said, "Again, I'm sorry that I don't do it." And, and uh, but uh, I, you know, I'm sure there's other guys out there that have played Jason that would love to do one of these for you. But that's the way I left it. Mm. And then one day, out of a clear blue sky, uh, actress, an old actress, called me and. She said, Ted, you don't know me, but my name is so-and-so. And I said, well, I know of your work. And uh, she said, well, I am going to uh, New York uh, to do a convention. And she said, the producer there asked me if I would get a hold of you and see if you'd like to go. And I said, well, I don't do them. And she said, well, can you give me a reason? And I said, well, number one, <clears throat> you know, uh, I don't want to fly five hours to New York and five hours back. That's 10 hours in the air to be there for two and a half days on a nickel and dime operation. And she said, well, that's where you're wrong. It's not a nickel and dime operation. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, you know, your pictures can sell for 20 or $25. And uh, 
she said, uh, I think you'd do very well. And I said, well, thinking and, and doing is two different things. She said, well, would you, would, you, would you go for a guarantee? And I said, well, yeah, I'm not an idiot. Certainly I'd go for a guarantee. <laughs> yeah. So she said, well, how much do you want then for two and a half days to guarantee that you make? And I said, well, and see, I did not know how the conventions were run. And I said, well, I'd want an airplane ticket there and back. I want my hotel room paid for, and I want per diem, and I want a $5,000 guarantee. And, wow. And she said, well, that's kind of a big package, but she said, let me put that to the producer, and can I have him call you if you'd like? And I said, sure, it's fine. So 20 minutes later, he called, and he told me his name, and he said, uh, Ted, he said, we always pay everybody's airplane fare, and we always have a nice room for them, and we always pay per diem. And he said, I will give you a $5,000 guarantee. And he said, do you have a computer? And I said, yeah. He said, well, I, he said, are you going to be busy in the next 10 days? And I said, no, I don't think so. And he said, well, I'll have a contract on your computer, and I'll have your airplane tickets on your computer. And we oh, had to be nice. So uh, my wife wanted to go. <laughs> <laughs> More tickets. All right. Well, yeah, well, I called him back and I said, uh, now I'm not trying to dig into your pocket. Or anything. But I said, my wife would like, because she is from New York. And he said, well, it's not a problem. He said, well, well I'll change that. Now you'll have two tickets. Nice. So I thought, gee, what a nice guy. You know, that's, that's another, you know, six or seven hundred, whatever it came to. I don't remember now. <laughs> right. And, yeah, we and then you called him back and said, first class, by the way. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, you know, the motion picture business does... <laughs> <laughs> they, they they really do patronize you to a point yeah. where you're spoiled. Yeah, right. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we went, and uh, I think I made something like twelve thousand five hundred dollars. Oh wow! Whoa! So it was way over the five thousand. Oh yeah, and uh, wow, from, great. Uh, so then I did one more here in Los Angeles. <clears throat> the producer here in Los Angeles got a hold of the producer in New York and. He gave me my phone number. He said, well, it's right here in Los Angeles. Would you go to that? And I said, well, well heck yes. <laughs> I couldn't right? wait yeah. to go over there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I took my wife with me, and uh, who do I meet but my agent. And uh, and his, he had a partner at that time. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, is, any, is anybody representing you? And I said, well, there was a girl that uh, called me. For the first one I went on, I don't know whether she's an agent or not, but I owe her my allegiance until I find out whether she's an agent or not. Mm. And he said, what's her name? And I told him, he said, she's not an agent. She's just an actress that was delivering a message. Yeah. And he said, I'd like to represent you. So I said, well, let's talk about it. And uh, that's the way it evolved, and just exactly word for word how I'm telling it. Wow. That is, you know, I, I got to play Jason. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ, $12,000 for two days. That's awesome, man. Two and a half. Don't lose that half a day. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, don't, 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 don't misunderstand me. Everyone, everyone I've gone to has not been that, you know, that kind of money. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, that, that was the first one. And, uh, uh, well, not only that, not only the money, but the people, and I and I hate right. to be redundant, but I am. Uh, were so nice and so yeah. kind and so considerate, and and not Ted. They weren't saying Ted, hire you, Mister White. Everything was Mister White. And I thought, my God. Uh, and another thing, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, mm -hmm. uh, I wore sport clothes. I wore a suit coat, uh, slacks, and uh, I, because 
on these other engagements that I went to and spoke to, spoke at, uh, of course you dress for them. Right. And I did, and I did dress for this. And when I got there, I was completely outclassed, in as much as everybody else had Levi's on a T-shirt, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about the other Jasons. Yeah. Well, I felt that we were not giving the ju- the the uh, people, uh, you know, that are coming to us for our for our, our autographs and photographs. They they perceive you to be from Hollywood, right? In the motion picture business, something that they would like to have done, or they they idolize you in a, in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I felt that we should dress the part. And consequently, uh-huh. from that day from that day on, <laughs> I have always dressed the part. I've either wear a suit or a sport coat and slacks, and uh, I, I never go in Levi's. I, I just don't do it. Uh, mm. I, I, I try to give them the image they want to see. Right. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and see, that's a weird thing, too. Like, um, I'm not necessarily one to go to conventions and stuff like that, but there there is a need. You know, me and Alex have talked about this before, where people that, that you idolize or that you grew up watching and stuff like that, like in particular, because, you know, part four is my favorite and stuff like that. That's why I was just so excited for this interview. You know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to come from a fan's perspective. I don't know what it is, but it's just something that, uh, you know, call it, check it off your bucket list or what, but just to be in the presence of, of something like that is just so cool. And, um, you know, I think I think it is what it is. You know, people people love your portrayal of it. And um, like you said, you know, you treat it with respect, with everybody with respect, and you give everybody time and talk to them. And, and I think, you know, that's what that's what it's all about, you know? I mean, hey, you know, we, we love you, you know? And it's, uh, it's one of those things where um, I... I I am so happy right now, to be perfectly honest with you, just to get to just to get to talk to you. You know, nothing crazy. Just what a nice just, compliment. That's a lovely right. compliment. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, you really are a nice guy. It's hard to believe you killed so many kids. I just... <laughs> well, now, now since you said that, now since you said that, I'm going to have to show you the other side of me. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, oh, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> I, I, I was in uh, I was in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, and we were very crowded. And a lady came to to my booth and and uh, had two young children with her. And she's looking at pictures. And she would hold a picture up and turn around and face across uh, the aisle to the other set of booths. So they were twenty feet away. And uh, I didn't know what she was doing. And she'd lay that one down and pick up another one. And after about the fourth or fifth one, uh, she said, "Would you sign this to Bob?" And I said, "Yes, I'd be glad to." And I said, is Bob the one you were showing the picture to across the way? And she said, yeah, that's my husband. I said, oh, wonderful. Tell him to come over. I'd like to meet him. She said, oh, he won't come over there. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, he won't come over here. I said, well, I'll go over there. She said, no, he'll run. And I, I said, what? And she said, he will run. He, he can't get near you. And I said, well, surely he, does, he knows that I didn't actually hurt or maim any of those children that I was working with. Right. You know, that's all choreographed, and it's, uh, nobody got hurt at all. Mm-hmm. He doesn't believe that. And I said, well, all right. I gave it, and the guy, she took the picture back. He looked over at me and made a nod, and they walked away. I never did have a chance to shake his <laughs> hand or talk to him or anything. He wow. really was scared. <laughs> you know, some people, uh, oh. 
in their not not in real life, but in their imagination life, right. and in their when they're asleep and when they have dreams and so forth, those dreams become real. And yeah. if some of them have watched the movie that I did and have dreams about it and still frightens them, that's great. You know, it, 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 there you have a lot of stories about what happened on the set of Friday Thirteenth, weren't you? Um, like claustrophobic when you like you were in that freezer, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that must have been weird, right? Because when you film something, it, it takes like an hour to shoot a you know ten second scene. I'll give you a, a small, quick story about the, the, that. We were at a. Uh, a hospital that uh, had been condemned because of the earthquake. and But the morgue situation, the morgue part, was all intact. And we had some very young girls there, and uh, they were working as nurses. And I was laying on a stretcher, and uh, uh, supposedly dead, and one hand is sticking out from under the covers. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And that one hand is, you see a finger move just ever so slightly. And then this girl is walking beside me and she's pushing the gurney I'm on and they're pushing me into the uh, uh, that little four-by-four four enclosure where they the, the put all the dead people. Yeah. And uh, it, it was so solemn in there and there was no laughter. Nobody was having a, a, any fun or anything. And I thought, well, this is a great time for me to do something. So when she put her arm on her hand on the gurney to push me, my hand was only inches from her wrist. I waited till she got the gurney going, and then I grabbed her wrist and set up, and she screamed and fell over backwards, hollering. <laughs> and they cut the camera and said, what in the hell is going on? And she said, he grabbed me, he grabbed me. <laughs> Zito said, you know, he's not dead. She said, he was supposed to be dead. I thought he was dead. <laughs> well, the whole crew, we got into a laughing mode. And what was going to take an hour and a half took three hours and a half because everybody got so tickled over it. And, and when we'd get started, then somebody would break out and start laughing again. And so we'd go <laughs> over and over till we finally got it. <laughs> so I, I was not endeared too heavily with the crew at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know, huh? <laughs> wow. <laughs> but the, there, was, there, was some, there was some funny times, uh, you know, and that was one of them. Yeah. And it's, you know, everyone knows the what's becoming, like, legendary story of the argument with you and the director about the girl in the water. Now, we, we all heard that. We heard uh, all that kind of stuff. But I have a, one question about that. In his reply in, in Chris Lake Memories, he said he only remembered you saying that you were too cold in the water. And, like, does, is there any truth to that? Like, uh, or was he just... Let, let me tell you something. I had a wetsuit on underneath my costume. Oh, I nice. could have been. I could have stayed in that water forty-eight hours. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, and, and not not once it was ever mentioned me being cold in the water. As a matter of fact, I wasn't even in the water when all this happened. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. The beginning of this was her out there in a little rubber mat, yep. a boat, whatever it was. It was a, a, some kind of a round object, uh, and uh, she had a bikini on. It was in. Uh, 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 I think it was in December. Yeah, and it was very, very cold, and they shot a couple of other shots uh, of movement and different things, and her waving at somebody or hollering for somebody. I don't re recall exactly what the situation was at that time, and they had wasted probably thirty or forty minutes doing all of this, and she was turning blue. Yeah, and mm. she got up right by the camera. She was still in the water, and got up by the camera, and she said, 
could I please get out for a minute? I'm very, very cold. And he said, no, we're changing film, putting new film in, so just stay there. And she started to cry a little bit. And I was standing there, and I and I asked Joe, I said, Joe, could you please get her out? I said, the girl's really very cold, and she's upset. He said, no, I'll handle the directing. You just stay to do the stunt working. And then I got a little Ooh. upset. And so I said, Joe, either get her out or I'll walk. And he said, what do you mean you'll walk? I said, I'll walk off the set, and I'm done with this movie and you. You can't do that. I said, don't bet me I can't do it, Joe. <laughs> said, uh, I'll be gone so quick you won't know what happened. Yeah. And, uh, well, and he did, he he, did, he had the boat pulled in and I got her out. And I want to tell you something that 90% of people don't know. I just worked with her for the first time, for the very first time since we did the movie. I went to uh, uh, Florida. And she sat next to me in the next booth. And... She saw me on the airplane, and she said, Ted White, I can't believe it's you. And I said, yeah, I'm a lot older, aren't I? She said, <laughs> yeah, she said, my God, she said, I didn't know you were going to be here. I heard you were, but they didn't. They weren't sure whether you were going to be able to make it or not. Well, anyway, we had our booth, our tables were right next to each other, and she said, I will never forget what you did and so forth. I said, well, you know what, honey, it wouldn't have made any difference who it was. He had no right to... Uh, treat people that way you know these were all young kids a lot of them were the first time they ever worked in a movie right yeah. oh yeah right and he he had no respect for him he just uh, he wanted to get his movie shot and he wasn't going to waste any time and uh, that's the way it looked the one thing you had when you had empathy for these kids you mentioned how like they were only making probably four hundred dollars a day or something like that so if you look at that and you think that that's a pretty low number what did a stuntman make in 1984 compared to an actor? Well, I had a chance. I don't know whether you remember this or not. Do you remember a, a TV series called Adventures in Paradise? Yes, I heard Sergeant, it. Yeah. Sergeant McKay was the actor. Yep. Okay. Well, prior to him getting that movie, my theatrical agent uh, was the Louis Schur agency. My man that took me out was Wilt Milnick. And he took me over there, and we did a film test uh, called The Cowboy and the Lady that ran for three minutes. And from that, uh, they wanted to put me under contract to do that series. And at that time, it was supposed to be a black-and-white series and a half an hour long, which they changed it uh, just before they started to shoot. They changed the, the pilot uh, and made it an hour long and in color. Well, they offered me a contract of $350 a week. And I said, oh, no, I can't take that. And uh, right. my agent said, why? I said, well, hell, I got married and I got two kids. I got two car payments, <laughs> mortgage payments. Right. And my wife goes shopping, you know, every other day. I said, I, I can't, I just, I can't live on that. <laughs> and he said, well, Ted, maybe next, you know, next year, if, you, if you're successful, you'll be making 2500 a week. And I said, well, then I could live on it, you know. But I said I, I can't live for a year on that. And he and I said not only that, then you got a guy who's going to take ten percent. And I said what's left over? Then the government takes their percentage. I said yeah. that's not enough to pay my car payment. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I I turned it down, and Gardner McKay got the show, and lo and behold, I doubled him. Nice. Wow, that's great. Yeah, see that? You hold out, and you're the right talent. You're irreplaceable, and look what happens. Yep. <laughs> exactly. You, you know. You know. Speaking of that, you're, was there ever a point 
in your movies because you're a stuntman. But is there ever a point where they actually got a stuntman for the stuntman because they didn't want you to get hurt even during some of the scenes? Does that ever happen in movies or no? Yes, it does. It does. Wow. Uh, I did uh, uh, Silverado. I don't know if you ever saw that movie or not. Oh, yes. Yep. Well, and I, I played a part of Hoyt, the ranch foreman. Oh. And, oh, uh, wow. It was, there was some stuff in there that, uh, that we had to do that uh, at the very end of it, uh, uh, what, what was the black gentleman's name uh, in that movie? I can't think of his name oh, right now. I'm not sure either. Um, <clears throat> uh, anyway, uh, he's on top of a building shooting a rifle and uh, hitting different guys that, uh, that I'm the foreman of that ranch. And uh, I crawl around and go up the back stairs and, and uh, get on top of the building. And I'm about to shoot him. And he turns and sees me, and then he shoots me off at the back of the building. Well, unbeknownst to me, they hired a stunt double, and I didn't know it. And uh, now I'm up on top of the building, and Danny Glover, that's his name. Oh, Danny, okay, right, yep. Yeah. Yep. And I, I, I looked over, and I saw this buddy of mine that I've known for, you know, 30 years. I said, what are you doing up here? He said, I'm doubling you. And I got <laughs> doubling me? He said, yeah. Because he, he, he had on my double clothes. And I said, get the hell off the top of this building. <laughs> and he said, Ted, I'm serious. They're not going to let you get shot off the building. You still got a lot of stuff to do. I said, go get that director. Well, the, we had the finest director in the business. There's none better than him. And he says, Ted, he said, we can't. I said, listen, I've been doing stunts for so many years, and you, this is a little nothing thing. Uh, this fall off the back of this building is nothing. Don't embarrass me by putting somebody else up here. Yeah, right. He said, well, if that's the way you feel, he said, now what happens if you get hurt? And I said, I'll tell you what, if I get hurt, you can keep all my money and not pay me a dime. <laughs> nice. I believe you. So we shot it, and it was over right. with. It <laughs> was <laughs> no big deal. But that does happen every now and then. Not, not too many times, but it does happen. And you're okay, right? You didn't have to pay him the money? <laughs> yeah, I didn't have to give him the money. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, the Hollywood has changed so much. It has. Yeah. If you were in the 50s, you were in the 60s, or straight through, you've been working. So I I have a question that I just wondered what, what you'd be thinking as, as a stuntman, you know, at the time you did it. <clears throat> now that movies are so technologically advanced and all this, you know, special effects mm -hmm. and how they can make you look like you're flying and whatever, do you wish that you could be starting your career in today's Hollywood, or are you glad? I've got, I've got an answer for that, and I want you to hear it loud and clear. <laughs> all right. No. I'm glad I started when I did. I'm glad I worked my way up from cardboard boxes, doing a high fall into cardboard boxes, into now we have air mats that are 40 by 40, 15 feet high. Yep. Uh, you could come down on your head and not get hurt. So that's right. not, really, not really true, but no, I, I've enjoyed the challenge it's been to stay alive and stay healthy and go through the hard times to the good times. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Uh, I can say this, uh, my last uh, big major feature that I did was Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Wow. And uh, uh, since then, I've, I've declined to do anything else because I'm now 87, and my hands, uh, I have arthritis in my hands, 
and I can't trust myself behind the wheel of a car doing 80 or 90 or 100 miles an hour. Right. So I have to I have to just say no, I can't do it anymore. That's all. But I would not trade with any of those guys and, and uh, be starting today. Like I, I know a lot of young boys that are starting today, young men starting today, and in this world of high technology, uh, uh, they they're going to do well. They're going to make good money, and uh, they'll have a great time. But I lived in the era with Clark Gable, with John Wayne, yep. Victor Mature, Rock Hudson, oh. and to me, those big guys made my career. Uh, and they kept me busy for 50 some odd years. Right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I wouldn't trade that for anything. I, I really wouldn't. Yeah, that's what I thought you were going to say. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, it's known, or I don't know if it's rumored, you were asked to do part five and six, and you refused. And then you said later on you regret it. Is that true? That is true. So when you passed up five and they made it and it came out and it was what it was and then they came back to six, what made you pass up a second time? Well, uh, number one, uh, it was automatic. I was working on a feature when they called. Oh, okay. and there was no way I could get away at all. I was tied up on a feature and I was under contract, so I had to finish out what my contract was, and that interfered with their starting date. Okay. Uh, and so uh, that's what happened there. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know who did five and six. I, I really don't. Uh, C.J. Graham probably was, yeah, he was six, and Tom Morga was five? See, Tom Morga's another stuff, man. Yep. Nice guy. Yep. Nice, nice man. And um, he's near, yeah, he is my size. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, people love you so much that they would probably, they would love for you to do the, the next Jason movie. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm beyond that. <laughs> oh, you could pull it off. Come on, Ted. You could. <laughs> I, I, I think you'd have to talk to my wife about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that, that, I, you know what? Had it, if I could go back uh, 30, 40 years and uh, had seen some of those films in my early years, uh, I would have accepted those, uh, and I would have done them. And had I done them... Uh, now I think now the real Jason and the whole group of us is Shane Hunter. Uh, what a what a guy he is, and uh, his portrayal of Jason. Uh, the people just go wild when he's on a convention. I mean, he has lines of people uh, just just can't wait to get to his booth. And he's yep, a great yep. guy. He's a great guy. Uh, yeah, but Dan, tell him who the real Jason yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, hey, Kane's great, but uh, hey, it's it's Ted White, a hundred percent. You are the definitive, yep. greatest. You are a legend and an icon, and you made that character what it really is, and it's gigantic, and it's all because of you, man. And that's why we're oh. so honored to have you on the show, dude, and we really appreciate you coming on. Don't tell the people how much money you're giving me how to say it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll discuss that later. <laughs> all I know is he doubled it. <laughs> yeah, he doubled it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks thanks again, Ted, though. We, we really do appreciate it, and uh, you're the best. And honestly, from the bottom of my heart, this is a highlight of my life, sir. So thank you very well, much. What a, what a lovely thing to say, and thank you so very much for the opportunity to be with you guys for this small oh. time we've had on this little phone. Yep. Uh, if ever again it uh, comes up and you need me, well, just give me a call. If I'm not working, I'd be glad to do it. What? What? Can you can you just say that again, please? No, I'm just... Yeah, we, we need that on record. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Ted. Like I said, we really appreciate it, and uh, you will always forever be the definitive Jason. Yes, sir.
Thank you, boys. I appreciate the phone call, and good luck to all of you. All right. Thanks, Ted. Have a good one, Ted. Three times before, you have felt the terror, known the madness, lived the horror. But this is the one you've been screaming for. Friday, the 13th, the final chapter. Jason is back. He moves like a shadow. Dark and silent. Sorry to change your mind. He never utters a word. He doesn't even seem to breathe. He simply, mindlessly, mercilessly, kills. But now, Jason's reign of terror is over. Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Friday. April 13th is Jason's unlucky day. <laughs> Friday the 13th, the final chapter, 1984. The budget was $1,800,000, and that's only estimated, and it grossed a whopping $32,600. Wait, did you say $1 million? One million dollars, and it grossed thirty-two thousand dollars. Well, that's just depressing as hell. Yeah, what happened? I don't know. <laughs> well, why not? I mean, even in nineteen eighty-four, thirty-two thousand dollars is not a whole lot. Although, going to the movies back then. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, we already did a Friday the Thirteenth retrospective. So we are. We are slowly remaking our own radio show. Yes, dude. And they're and they're bigger and better and um they're greenier. Yeah, see this is one of the shows that we did right. I think that was that was a decent show. And now plus I get to talk about them and Friday oh, is Friday's my favorite franchise. So oh, thank you. It kind of made me sad that I missed out on the first one. Well, here we go. We're gonna. You're, by the time we're done with this one, you're gonna wish that you missed out on the second one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. It's not like you're gonna be trashing part three. Your head's gonna spin by the time we're finished here. All right. Your head's gonna explode like it did in the original version of Friday Four. Oh. Wait a minute. What does that mean? Wait, didn't he do that? Wasn't it like with a laser gun that he fucking <laughs> was head up? What? Right? Am I right? I don't follow anything you're saying. Tom Jarvis. <laughs> Jamie, Jamie, don't laugh at me. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> no, it was not a laser. What was it? What was it? It was a laser. It was a laser. It was a banana laser. It was a banana laser. Well, what? Oh, I now, what I want to know, is that a laser that is... that is in your pocket? <laughs> hey, is that, a, is that a laser that is shaped like a banana, or is it a laser for... Cutting bananas. Nobody knows. That's the whole fucking point, I think. <laughs> I think it's a sexual reference. For example, shooting ropes. Wow. Wow. Oh. It's, it's, it's disgusting. I know. All right. 
Alright, Friday 13th, the final chapter. Okay, we had part one. Really no Jason. We had part two, the birth of Jason Voorhees as the killer. We had part three. Okay, so it gets better. Dude, that he got the mask. The mask. Oh, he got the mask. So that was the best one. I'm sorry. Best. I'm sorry. I, I was fooled by the other 90 minutes. Not two, it's not four, it's three. <laughs> one, it was in 3D. He got the mask. Oh, yeah, those are really great 3D effects. In 3D! Those wires and... You wouldn't know because you didn't see them. I did. (laughs) I was there. That rat, I mean, the (laughs) snake that jumped out of the cage and the wire that propelled him. That was fantastic shit, man. I mean, that is really paying attention to detail. It was cutting edge back then. And it's cutting wrists now, if you watch it. I like to kick. (laughs) <laughs> all right, well, let's get into this one. So what happens, the reason I said all that is because what they do is they start this one off by giving the highlights of all three of those movies. And this has to be, guys, I will say this, no regrets, the greatest opening montage to any horror film ever. You want a motherfucking montage? Montage! Well, what are some other opening montages to which I can compare it? I don't have any, but okay, I well, guess that's why there's number one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, so I'm right. So why are you arguing with me? All right. That. <laughs> so what I like about this, now we got, I want to like dissect a couple things that people probably never really cared about. Kind of kind of live the movie, walk through the movie and live it. And one of those things is, you know when right. they get to the hospital. <laughs> you know, I love it. Dan laughs. Every time. It's Doesn't always funny. how many times you do that, he laughs every time. He might laugh if I do it in 10 minutes, and I'll laugh if he does it in 27 minutes. <laughs> That's a gift that just keeps on giving. <laughs> it's the gift that keeps on giving. It's like the Jelly of the Month Club. <laughs> Clark, that's the gift that keeps on giving all year round. That it is, Eddie. Edward. <laughs> All right, so they walk. They, they're in the hospital, and they wheel Jason past a room, and there's a girl crying and a lady consoling her. Do you think that was one of Jason's victims, relatives? Possible. Is I assumed. Yeah, no, no. You think they would? Yeah, they probably wouldn't care. They'd probably just have like a a a, a floor for for the morgue and shit like that, so all the bodies would go there. So yeah, that makes sense. Good point. Right away, we get into really great characters. Axel and his girlfriend. Axel. You got that workout video. And I have a little bonus uh, cool thing for everybody. That workout video, I am in possession of that. No way. Is it Linnea Quigley's? <laughs> no. Oh. Uh, no, I'm in possession of that. Yeah, number 666. That's right. Well, what, I have a question about the whole thing like with Axel. I might have brought this up before. I don't fucking know. I don't care. Why would, like, if you're getting ass, <clears throat> why would you, like, flip the TV back to that as to say, like, that would be something you'd be focusing on other than a, a hot girl on top of you? You know what I'm saying? Like, it just seems so stupid. Like, oh, hold on, I gotta change the TV back. Like, who gives a fuck? Dude, I've actually done that. There was a time when <laughs> I was with a chick, and we were watching a movie and or TV show, and, you know... You're watching the movie. She starts leaning over on you, starts rubbing you. I strategically knew what scene was coming up. So I waited to press pause until one of the hot chicks were on the screen. 
Then I did, and proceeded from there. What, what, what do you? Was she? What do you mean? She wasn't hot, or you like you needed? That? Oh, she was hot. I just wanted you know, a little extra. What the? Fuck? <laughs> What's <laughs> that, wrong with that? That to me makes no sense, dude. If I'm fucking, if I'm getting with a chick, dude, that remote is fucking the other side of the couch. Like I could care less. Like I'm all about it. I'm not leaving TV unless it's porno. Yeah, guess. but I got with her a hundred times already. That's true. But eh. Daniel, ah, you're more sensitive though. Alex is a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Alex is like, hey baby, sports center's on. Get off me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm wearing a rubber. <laughs> yeah, sure, it's one of those new invisible ones, so that uh it's more romantic. <laughs> I just never got that, but uh, uh okay. You did that too? Alright, uh Yeah, I did that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry man, I did it, man. But what I was gonna say, we 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 are in possession of that video and it will be added to this show on Harbid when we post it and we're going to put it on our Facebook regular and group page. This is going to be a big Friday 13th Part 4 celebration. That video will be out and you will get to see it in all of its glory. And if any of you assholes jerk off to it... We're power to you. Don't turn on show 62. <laughs> hey, you know who's going to be really excited about this show? Who's that? Not Tristan. me. Oh! Tristan! <gasps> Feldman... Feldman, Tristan, this, that, see, this is a highlight, because this is when this guy was cool, man. <laughs> oh, snap. I oh. mean, I just think it's so strange. At, at one point in this movie, he's he's asking this guy, uh, come upstairs, I want to show you what's in my bedroom, and then one day, Michael Jackson asks him. Oh, shit. Yeah, oh, man, you should, uh, yeah, the, the jokes were flying courtesy of Patrick last night, as far as that goes, but... <laughs> Um, the oh, that wasn't <laughs> original. When he was uh, when he was watching the the naked chick through the window, <laughs> and he's like spazzing out on the bed. It yeah. was to me. I think that was perfect. Though I mean, it was that was a young, overexcited boy with hormones raging and and not knowing what to do with it. You know what I mean? I still do that. <laughs> hormones, Jamie. How do you make a, a hormone? <laughs> oh snap! You kick her in her. You <laughs> 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 have to give the punchline. I had to give the punchline. What if everybody didn't hear that one? It took it to a whole other level. That was great. See, Alex, we all laughing at your jokes. See, that? see, there you go. Come on, I got a couple. Wait, it's sixty-one shows. I have what? Twelve good jokes. <laughs> Yeah, but at least you made Ted White laugh with the Feldman thing. <laughs> Do you think Tristan was offended by that? No, dude. No. Fuck no. Dude, I bet you when Ted White said that, Tristan cr like crushed his DVD and said, you're dead to me. I have a feeling Tristan, whenever he posts something or comments on anything, he's just fucking cracking up the whole time. I mean, that that's just the feeling I get. You know, the, you got a great death. Axel gets a hack saw or something, some kind of saw, run through his throat, his head twisted off. And where in the hell did he get that? Oh, well, they probably saw bones off with that. It was a random, I know, but it was a random choice. You know, I mean, he has a lot of things to choose from. Like what, slam his head in a coffin? Well, <laughs> well <laughs> yes, why not? <laughs> well, he is, he is, after all, the Super Bowl of self-abuse. So. <laughs> 
Super Bowl of self-abuse. <laughs> you know what's weird? I'm going to give this girl credit. Her name is something Morgan. Captain? <laughs> I wish. Either way, I'd spend the night with it. Right? Get a hell of a hangover. Yeah. The thing I'm going to give her is this. When she gets to the door and she's like, I'll tell you where I'm going. I'm going crazy. Zip. It teetered on bad acting and, and realistic. Well, it all it was very slapsticky, and I, uh, I felt like that line was completely out of place. I don't. I th- it was no. You're right. It was, but I think she sold it. I guess I just wasn't buying. <laughs> I, I can never, I can never gauge those things because, like, it always seems like uh, the further back you go in movies, we've talked about this before, the more hokey things are. So, yeah. like, when I see, so like, I, I look at that, like, oh, I'm sure there's other movies out there at this time that, like, you know, that's like a big thing, and this is a horror movie, so there's not a lot of it. But you know, seeing something in it, I don't think about. It. I'm just like, yeah, it was made in the '80s. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. Of course you give it that pass. You get the opening shot of Trish and her mom jogging, and then you immediately get a point-of-view shot. And it's somebody looking down on them jogging from the top of a hill. Now, a big question that everybody comes up with is, if these people were living on the outskirts of Crystal Lake, why didn't Jason kill them in the last 10 years? Like, how did they even make it this far? So, Jason's looking at them jog. I guess... One argument you could say, well, he just got out of the morgue. He's probably up, still up there looking down. He's not going to run down and kill him. Yeah, but before that. Yeah, before that, before he got to the morgue. Right. He's still, I mean, I guess he escaped the morgue and headed right back to the same spot, right? People who live in the area know the legend. You know, they're, so they're careful. That's what, see, that, that, Jamie, you hate the remake, but that's the closest they've came to an explanation. They're like, people around here know to stay out of those woods. <laughs> Like whatever People around here don't go missing. They're gone yeah, for the yeah, dead. Yeah. Exactly. So well, we get a glimpse of that in part three when he kidnaps uh, Chris. They know the only legend they know is that the mom went crazy and killed all these kids. At that, at this point, Paul said Jason. Some say he didn't drown. His body's never recovered. He lives off the vegetation. Blah blah. But he never killed anybody, so no one ever claimed he killed anybody. He's just a frightened retard. He's a frightened retard! (laughs) So, at this point, he killed in part two. The next day was three, and the next day was four. So there is no legend. It's only what's in newspapers at this point, which Mrs. Jarvis had. Right. And it said the murders, the, the, uh, the, the massacre or whatever... Still, killer still missing. Right. That's all you had at this point. So there's no. It's not like everybody should know not to come here yet. That's, no, no, I don't. That's what I don't think people should know not to come there. I think people who already live there just, you know, know what's up. Well, they think that the mom died. They think the mom got her head cut off. And, and I just want to um, steal one of Adam Green's comments that he made on that fucking awesome commentary there. But it's so true. Dude, if you're a kid and you're into making horror masks and all that, you would fucking know of a serial killer in your town, dude. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> you would be very aware of it. If you're Feldman making all those masks and lasers blowing up his head that never happened, um, if you're doing all that shit and you don't know of a serial killer in your own fucking town, dude, come on, dude. Like, what are you doing? Up your game. That's true. And then he found out in the paper, and he's like, oh, my God. There's a... And then he <laughs> – I like how he quickly shaved his head, too. Like, he knew what to do. He knows what's good. Oh, we'll get to that. Like, we got to right. it the first time, and I'm going to say the same thing. But I want to hear what Jamie thinks. 
So uh, I guess we'll give a little nod to Banana Laser one more time. The girl on the side of the road eating the banana. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was hilarious. I love the fact that – see, I think Joe Zito gave every – I don't know if he – did he write this? Whoever wrote this gave the girl a sign that said, you know, to pick her up and bring her somewhere. And then the other sign said, fuck you. Like, it just seems like every single character had so much realism to him. And I, that really sold it to me. They gave Jimbo a past breaking up with BJ Betty right away. You got this asshole Ted who's punching into the computer that didn't exist in 84. Sounds like he is a dead fuck. Are you sure it didn't exist, Alex? <laughs> well, you could play Glaxon or something, but you can't do anything else. Glaxon. Ga- what was it called? Gaxon? Zaxon. <laughs> Doom. Now, by 1984, we could do quite a few things with computers. <laughs> oh, yeah, you could make a woman. Didn't Gary and Wyatt show us that? I'm going to ask Robert Rustler. Yeah, ask Robert Rustler. <laughs> yeah, he, he wants a woman. They fucking make him a missile. All right, so you got... In 1984, um, that's when Gilbert, I mean Gilbert, that's when Lewis, no Gilbert, um, that's when Gilbert, Gilbert Godfrey became the, big? No, Gilbert made the cartoons dance on his computer screen in Revenge of the Nerds. Ooh, wow. Well, then you know that we're advanced. <laughs> well, see, movie computers always do things that we can't do in real life. It's it's hilarious. <laughs> if my computer today can make Kelly LeBrock, I'd be shocked. Dude, going back to Gilbert Godfrey, dude, I, I sent Jamie some questions for the uh, interview that we had. <laughs> she go, I was like, yeah, yeah, so you want to do the Gilbert Godfrey one? She's like, yeah. Um, do you think I could put this in my own words? <laughs> I said, do you mind if I paraphrase? Yeah, do you mind no. if I paraphrase this, Dan? <laughs> well, could you imagine me reading, Dan's, me reading Dan's copy? It just wouldn't come out right. Like, it yeah, Jamie's like, hi, so fucking, do you fucking, like, have Gilbert Godfrey in fucking every fucking movie you fucking do? Fuck it. Fuck him. Dude, it was so good, dude. That's for Mike Merriman. Merriman. All right, so the kids drank cores in this movie. That's something I really noticed. Is that what they were drinking? Yeah. You know how, like, we're very into uh, living the movies? I, I can't, uh, like, it's easy with Tom Atkins. Miller, anybody could do Miller. Miller time, it's Miller time. That's fine. Did you ever drink the original Coors, the banquet beer? No. Good. It's, it tastes like, like somebody emptied condoms oh, into that's... a urinal. Oh, dude. And then somebody sucked it in their ass by, like, sucking in air and farting it into a bottle. I'm with you so far. Okay. And I'm going to stop there because I think that's about... People must be a condoms. They should have done Budweiser. Coors or Coors Light. I'm drinking Coors Light right now. I like Coors Light, dude. The thing about Coors Light is I could drink so many of them. And that's what I love about it. <laughs> Pound them, dude. It's fucking... It's great, man. Coors Light's a fucking... Coors Light's a good summer beer, actually. Dude, it seems to be a good spring, fall, and winter beer. <laughs> Alex, my, hey, any port in a fucking storm. That's right. When those kids showed up to the rental house, Mommy Jarvis looked out the window and looked very concerned, worried, all these other kinds of things. And how did you guys take that? I always felt that she didn't want her kids to be influenced by bad party kids. Yep. 
That's exactly what I thought. It was no, hey, Jason's gonna get him. Nope, just just damn kids in their fucking marijuana smoke. Right. Yep. Yes. That's it. That's and that's and but you can see how other people think the other side of it too. But uh, let's face it. I mean, if she's a worry wart like they portrayed her in that one fucking look, like oh my god, these kids are gonna die. Well, then she would have fucking made some preemptive strikes to get her fucking family out of there once Jason was coming through. Yeah, and you know what? She didn't. And here's the weird thing: there's almost no defense for any of her look because had she been a strict mom, wouldn't she say? All right, kids, um, I need you in here for a minute and kind of pulled them away from the house. Like, she didn't control them. Mm-hmm. I guess she was just, like, looking and hoping they used their heads, I think, is what really went down. So they all go walking to Crystal Point, as they say, and and that proves that they are near Crystal Lake. And the, you get the, the, the Double Mint Fresh twins. <laughs> <laughs> double your pleasure. Oh, you don't want my pleasure. Yes, sir. Not that they're hot, but they have nice bodies. I'll give them that much. Yep. Then we get to the great skinny dipping scene. There's a lot to talk about here. Number one, uh, Ted has no penis. <laughs> I'm glad that's the first thing you notice. <laughs> now, Jamie, as a chick, you're going to tell me you didn't notice when he took his clothes off and ran in, there was no penis to be found between his legs as he was running in. Actually, no, I didn't look. You know, you're just trying to make me look gay, and I get what you're doing. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I didn't. He's digging look. your I, own hole. I always look at the women. I never look at the men. But you didn't look at Kevin Bacon's penis when he was standing on the dock? Um, well, you can't help but look at that. It's going to punch you in the eye. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. I. Um... Do you think Teddy was a little too enthusiastic about swinging on a rope and jumping in the lake when he was like, All right! <laughs> you know what though dude go back go back to what i said before that goes back to 80s cheese dude like to me it's hilarious but to me that's like a typical 80s shit dude you know <laughs> like you see that in 80s movies all the time dude yeah could that happen today do you think if they made a movie today anybody would act exactly like that dude i would just yeah like sw- like slowly look over and just stare at him like oh my god i can't believe i'm friends with you and we have a great sex moment the hottest girl in the movie bears all. Oh, ode to Samantha. Let's give it a second. One second of silence. That's all I need. Okay, I'm done. Good <laughs> <laughs> for you. And dude, how hot does Trish look when it looks like she's only wearing that white shirt? Hey, what's the deal with Trish, by the way? Jamie, let me get your opinion on this. What the fuck? Like, is she a virgin or what? Like, does she not want to party? Like, if I was her, I'd just be like, yo... College kids, beer across the street. Like, let's do this. No, she's one of those responsible kids. She's frigid? No, I think she's just a good girl. Yeah. I I do love, you know what? No, a quote unquote good girl. I was a good girl. I know. I know that was I seriously was, and I'm not even lying. I seriously. When did that end? Um. (laughs) Around 20. Nice. That's a good age to let it all go. Yeah. Well, that, I. (laughs) <laughs> That's when I got my first taste, and from then I never looked back. But you know. <laughs> first taste, <laughs> on the side of Rob giving handjobs for crack. She had a. So we get introduced to Rob Dyer. He's killing me. He's killing me. Is Sandra's brother from part two? And then we get to party night. Now it's time to party in Friday Thirteenth, the final chapter. And uh, I'm sorry, guys. 
this party, I mean, no offense, but um, I'm sorry. Every time I see the shot where they, they seem to spike the bottom of the beer and then hold it and go, hold on, hold on, go. And then they chug the beers. And everyone's like, yeah, all right, yeah. I'm like, wow, we're partying now. Like, I'm sorry, man. To me, I just expected a little bit more. The music, you know, and here's the thing, like I talked about, Paul is such a douchebag, he's always putting down this guy Jimbo like he's a like an asshole. Everything he does, he can't ask a question, he can't do this, can't do that, he puts music on, Jimbo looks, Paul looks over like he's an asshole, like, what is this music? Then he puts on some fucking Frank Sinatra <laughs> shit or something like that, like, oh, I'm sorry, dude, you're the cool one. If Paul's <laughs> supposed to be the, the cool guy who's who's banging a, a, a piece of ass, I'm sorry, a hundred times harder than he could get in real life. Sorry, Paul, you're not really like a, uh, I'm not believing in that you're, that you're uh, smashing that. Sorry. Right, 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 right. I just don't believe you can rock Samantha. Now, Dan. Yes. Would you take Paul's sloppy thirds? Because you got, she was going to bang Ted, then mm-hmm. she moved on to Paul, and now she moved on to Jimbo. Is there any dignity in being third place? Well, it matters if she actually did it or not. And she didn't do it, so fuck no, I'm tagging it. Yeah? Fuck yeah. Me too. I, I admit, I have, no, I have no dignity when it comes to that. When shit like that happens, dude, you're using them just as much as they're using you. It's a mutual thing. It's all gravy. Keep it moving, you know? Shit like that happens, dude. Jamie, see, you're a girl, so I say that a lot. <laughs> well, I'm just glad that you make the distinction. Yeah, I realized you have no penis, just like uh, Teddy. Now, here's the thing. And you could be honest with just me and Dan. No one else is listening. I'm always honest. Okay. What goes through your mind when you're saying, well, I'm being used. I'm just a, a sea dumpster tonight. <laughs> A fucking sea dumpster. I'm not going to say the word because it's so vile. But I'm going to go ahead with this. Cum is vile? You said cunt earlier. You're a cum dumpster. Fine. Uh, no, you see. You cum guzzling queen. No, this is what. That's what the. I'm not thinking about that because I don't give a shit what their motives are. I'm, it's I'm my saying. motive that matters. Is that how it works? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Is that yeah, how dude. I got laid all those times? Yeah, it's because they wanted to. Trust me, it's not. <laughs> it's not that because you know you uh you you're so smooth that you talk us into it. If we. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Jason <laughs> makes his first big move of the movie. He goes into Rob's tent and breaks his gun in half and crumbles up his map. <laughs> I'm gonna fuck your shit up. <laughs> I like how he crumbled the map up. <laughs> I'm angry. <laughs> you think you're gonna take this fucking map? <laughs> you think you're gonna find me? You think the X marks the spot, bitch? I'm gonna tear that shit up. Jason, <laughs> smash! <laughs> <laughs> the way Ted White played it, um, say when he like his fast jerking motions when he's looking at Trish and uh, and Tommy and shit like that, like just all his movements. Really, I could see him just fucking barreling through some shit. Maybe, maybe not crumpling. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna crumble his map up while I break his gun. Like, why not just kill Rob? The Jason Hunter. Motherfucker got killed in a basement and cried about it. (laughs) You know what I mean? 
he was kind of a counterpoint to Trisha's goody two-shoes, you know, like, like when he kissed her on the cheek and shit like that. But why was he there? Forget about him. Why was the dog there? That Talk about a character with no arc. The fucking dog, dude. The he, arc? They, you mean the He fucking jumped through the window. That's his <laughs> arc? Dude, we pay so much attention. Hey, Gordon. Hey, Gordon. We'll talk later, Gordon. And all that kind of stuff, dude. Yeah, could he have said Gordon any more times than he did? <laughs> hey, Gordon, love you, Gordon. You're my favorite dog, Gordon. I'm going to take you for a walk later, Gordon. Have some water, Gordon. You need to pee, Gordon? We, You have a relationship. We understand. You know his name. <laughs> You're into the dog. Okay. Yeah, it just, that is wild, and the thing is, it's like, well, if you're going to do all that, if you're going to, like, highlight this dog and really put a spotlight on him, where's his arc? Where's the part where he jumps out and and bites Jason's arm, like Dan said in the original show? Like, you think he's going to do something. Oh, fuck dogs in movies. I wish he would die. (laughs) Yeah, except for VHS 2, I guess. (laughs) Oh, I do want to go back real quick to the girl with the meat, the... The good girl, well, who, who was the good girl? For, no, the one who was the, the good girl through. But I can't remember her name. She was hanging out with Samantha, hmm. you know, and she's all just. I don't know, she seemed rather naive and, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. um, she fucks the guy and she, she ruined it. She broke the rules and had to die. That's no. Just she needed a good dickin'. Man, he was pressing her ass up against the glass, dude. And you know, you know, this guy wasn't wearing a rubber. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have shower sex, man? It it is not fun. It's it seems like it's a good idea, and when you're washing the chick and you wash her boobies and all that fun stuff, all right, that's cool. <laughs> but then you go to put it in, <laughs> like the way you said that. It's like ru- putting your pecker in a rubber hole because <laughs> you the water actually. Washes away the net. When I have shower sex, I don't go in there to like you know like get clean because you can't like both people can't get under the hot water. Somebody's always on the outside, and so I always give it to the chick, and I'm like, huh. I'm like sitting in the corner, like this sucks, man. Tom Tucker's kid, I don't wanna. But dude, you can't give the chick the water because your back has to block the water, otherwise it runs down her back, and you right. keep like flushing it into her. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, though. Like, at that point, like, when you're just banging in the shower, it's like, um, I- I'm-, I'm sitting there thinking, well, this sucks. Why aren't we just banging in the bed? Or anywhere. Yeah. You're right, though. You're at the-, the rubber hole aspect. <laughs> Here's the-, the burning question. Now, Dan brought this up. He said it's not, the- it's not a what the fuck moment, but it's a what the fuck. When Ted pulls out the stag films. Now, here's my question. And let's just get right to the source material. These people, when would you say, Jamie, you're a good, uh, I don't know, whatever it takes to answer this. <laughs> when do you think that these movies were shot? When do I? What do you mean by when? Like... <laughs> Oh, Alex, you are amazing. Your grammar is impeccable. Oh, Jamie, you're yes. a film historian. <laughs> you mean I'm old? Go, go when do you think this movie? When do you think these these chicks? This whole thing was shot. These stag films in this movie. I would say the early 30s. Third. Uh, wow, I was gonna say that. 
That's what I was going to say. I was going to say 20s or 30s. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Sweet. good. So I guess we're good, whatever it is. <laughs> so we're equally capable. Here's my question. Now, this is – I'm just trying to get like real and logical here. These people were living in the new advanced world just like anyone in the present, correct? They didn't know they were old-fashioned and classic back then. Yeah, they didn't know they were horrible then. Yeah, right. Yeah. So how did anyone get off to this shit at any point in history? Back in the 20s, you couldn't even show your ankles without you know, causing a scandal. You, know, you remember those ridiculous swimming costumes that they had right. to wear? Like Marilyn you know? Monroe had to wear? Yeah, well... Until she broke that mold. That was just, that's what excited me. You know, their, the very first porn was uh, wrists and kneecaps. True story. Head, shoulders, <laughs> knees and toes, knees and toes. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing about Jason killing in general. I love that Jason has the ability to kill... And those murders go unnoticed until 80% of the crop is dispatched. I feel like if I went to kill anybody in a house, that I'd get, like, caught in two seconds. Just hiding them? Yeah, I'd be dragging them down the hallway, and then somebody would see the blood trail or something. Like, I just don't ever think I could get away with killing, like, at least eight or nine people before someone even knows this is going on. Okay, but we have to, not to rip on the movie, but we have to talk about one thing that makes zero sense. Okay, we have the classic combo platter kill of the corkscrew to the hand, the machete to the face, Jimbo kill. Where, Tad, where the hell's the corkscrew? That that whole kill. So good. Then, we immediately get, right after that, Jason is standing on a roof, hangs out by a window, hoping and praying that somebody will come by it. The one twin comes by, he pulls her out, we get a phenomenal throwdown on the, t- the hood of a car, or the roof of a car. Boom! Windows blow out. Oh, the blowout was amazing. We go from Jimbo to the to the window kill. Rob and Trish look at the artist's description. Tommy walks through the basement trying to fix all the lights. Right after that, after and this is after the window kill, you see Jason leaving the scene of the crime... Of Jimbo's kill. Then he goes right into the living room and kills Ted through the projector screen. Pro- projector screen. Well, oh shit! So he didn't. Oh wow! So they cut another kill in the in the middle of him going from the kitchen to the living room. Why would you not walk from the kitchen and then go kill the guy he was talking to right in the living room? He's right there. Why would you leave the house, climb up a roof, throw a girl out a window, then walk back downstairs, then? Then come from the scene of Jimbo's crime, which which he didn't hide. So Jimbo was there. He just risked the other guy coming in that kitchen the whole time. Dude, that is a problem. I never fucking noticed. Uh, all the times I watched it, never noticed that. You're right. Next time you watch, he's going to pull his machete away from that scene of the crime and then go kill Ted. The thing with that, though, is it's not like, um, it's not out of the realm of possibility like he could have done that you see what i'm saying it's not like oh i'm calling bullshit he couldn't do that he was in two different places at the same time Dude, it was after the shower sex scene too he could have though he could have done it it just doesn't make sense like why wouldn't he just go there there you're right he but in defense like if i were to defend it he probably thought 
well, this dude's the fucking most drunk out of anybody. He's cracking up. Like, I'll deal with him last. Like, I can just take care of him after these guys. You can you know say that, but he's right there. You can walk up to him and ram it. Before he even realizes what's going on, you can ram a knife up his throat. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't buy it myself. I'm just saying if I were to defend yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. would be that point. But, yeah, no, it's you're right, man. You're right. Why not go from fucking Crispin to the fucking computer, dude? Well, dude, right. even if you say that, why leave that scene... Why not come off the roof, walk in the door, then go kill Ted? Right. Why still leave the scene? So, there you go. Uh, so, you know, we just said the sex scene in the shower. That also happens before that. And, dude, does Sarah not look smoking hot with just that towel on, man? Smoking, dude. Her smoking. body is hot, dude. So she gets an axe through the door, through her chest. Uh, so, t- uh, we'll get That's back. That's random as fuck, dude. Is yeah, it? Axe through a door in your chest. Think about what you just said. That's insane. I don't know. I like it because it's unexpected. Because I think at that point, um, no one sees that coming. Yeah, you think she'll just pull on the knob and turn around and run somewhere else? Yeah, I like. Well, it she can turn my knob any day. <laughs> she can slob mine. <laughs> slob on my knob, like corn on the cob. <laughs> I'm gonna find a new dungeon. So Trish and the loser Rob run home to make – because she said Tommy's home alone. They run home, and then they leave him alone again. Uh, Then we get to the great kill where he goes, I got to go get the knife. And he runs downstairs. Jason kills him. We talked about that. Jason goes after Tommy and Trish. He smashes a TV on his head. Now, here's, here's one of those great moments, man. Jason's laying on the floor. Trish tries to walk over him. Ted White, man, is a seasoned actor, dude. This guy has been in movies, like we said, uh, John Wayne. He's been in movies with Rock Hudson, Corey Feldman. (laughs) And he sits there, and he just plays it so right, dude. He knows exactly what he's doing, dude. And uh, the things I love about Jason in this movie, you know, in part three, a lot of people like to highlight things like, oh, well... Look at how he walked away from Vera after he shot her. I'm sorry, I thought that was a terrible walk, actually. He walked like, uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You leave Richard Brooker alone. Best Jason ever. Then then they say, well, what about when he pulled his mask off, when he was hanging from the noose? And those are the two scenes that sell it. They like when he breaks the door and runs after Chris in the dream. But here's where I think it sells for Ted White. I was not bullshitting this dude when I said he's the greatest. Jason runs in the door, and Trish turns around, and Jason just stops. Yep. Then he stops again at the top of the stairs, dude. I think Jason just loves the adrenaline and the rush of knowing. I agree. Fuck yeah, dude. He's, he's fucking Jason. He kills. That's what he does. Of course he gets off on it. Just like Michael stared, and he t- tilted his head to look at his work. Right, right. I think Jason, when he looks at his prey, and he just stops, he just says... Let's do this, bitch. <clears throat> and think about it, man. Yeah, exactly. Hatch it three. Oh, yeah, right, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Um, with all these things, there's this underlying, besides like Freddy, you got like Leatherface and, and, and Michael Myers. And Jason, there's this underlining like um, stu- either stupidity, like in Jason's case, like he's a fucking deformed mongoloid. Or he's a frightened retard. Yeah, retard. And then you got Leatherface, who's also a retard. And then, um, Is Michael a retard? 
Well, no, but, but he didn't talk like, for like 15 minutes. Michael is not retarded. No, I didn't mean it like that, but they all have like something in common that like, you know, you know what I'm saying? So Michael was in the asylum the whole time and he stopped talking. That's creepy enough. But you could say you could kind of apply the same thing to all of them to kind of make them not normal. Would you say like well, that's yeah, the they're all demented? Thing. Well, Jay, Jamie, didn't didn't we hear a show that said that Michael Myers had retard strength? Uh, yes, we did. They directly referred to him as retarded, and uh, and that would be incorrect. <laughs> Who would say that? They wouldn't be caught dead on this show. That's all I know. I don't. You know, I don't even think Jason is retarded. I mean, he's deformed. Yes, that's what but I'm he has his full faculty. You that's can tell what I'm saying. He plans. He thinks. He. I mean, obviously, I'm not saying <laughs> retarded people don't think. What I mean is, he. You know. It's daytime. It's nighttime. Look, yeah. <laughs> if, if you're retarded... He's well aware of everything he's doing and everything that's going on. So, okay, Jamie, I posed this question to Dan a year and two months ago, so I'll ask you. What exactly was Tommy's plan here? He looked at the picture. Jason looked a little wild, like crazy guy. No hair. He was a little kid. So Tommy says, well, I guess he's the guy killing people. Trish just left with Rob, so I'm going to go upstairs. I'm going to bick my head to look like his hair. That I'm calling bullshit on. Did you see him shaving his head, like all bullshit. the hair? That... You no. can't do – you can't go bick bald from <laughs> from Joey Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. you got to use a buzzer, bro, to get to that point. Dude, yeah, and I shave my head too, and that I could, I, I'll call bullshit too. That it's physically impossible <laughs> to shave your head that way. Uh, Tristan's like Feldman can do anything. <laughs> Feldman has razors made of gummy bears and gold. Those were from Krypton. <laughs> <laughs> so he 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 shaves, he bicks his head to look like Jason. Comes downstairs. Luckily for him, they were down there at that point. Besides saying, Jason, Jason, don't you remember me? And that in itself, what was his plan exactly? I don't fucking know. I have never been able to figure that out. I think the kid just went off his rocker. And it doesn't even make any sense, really. He didn't have, at this point, like up until this night, it's not like he had any personal stake in what was going on. Yet, he, he reacts as if... He knows what what Ginny did. He knows, you know. Right. I mean, like, like right. you know. Oh, I've been down with this shit. It's like you're seven. Right. <laughs> what do you know. Well, in all fairness, he was twelve. I know. I'm just. Michael know. Myers was six. He was a kid. And then we're like, well, he was gonna distract Jason. Well, okay. What if he came downstairs and Trish was already dead? Right. Right. Yeah. Like he had all that time to go. Oh, oh, he's after Trish. Hold on, Trish. Let me shave my head. With yeah. Yeah, and if you're going to distract Jason, why not bang pots and pans really loud and just get him to look over there while Trish does something? Dude, you're so fucking right. Like, I always had a problem with that, but you're you're absolutely fucking on point, dude. Like, what the fuck was that, dude? Like, there's (laughs) no way that, like, what the fuck did he have planned, dude? We're going to have Feldman on and ask him. But the whole horror world accepts it. And the thing is, I want to know what went on in the writer's head. Like, well... What exactly? Well, Tommy's going to – he must have wrote he's going to do this to do this to do this. He must have had some kind of like logic to this. And it yeah. just makes no sense. So let's just get past that. And I'm, I'm going to be super picky here, man. This is – you're going to think, wow, you are too much. Oh, don't worry, dude. I, always, I already think that. <laughs> Tommy 
said that. Then Jason turns around and Trish swipes his face with the machete, knocking his mask off, right? Yep. Okay. <laughs> While Jason was still turned away from her, nobody saw his face. You, The camera deliberately goes and shows the machete drop. Mm-hmm. Then the camera shows Jason still turned away. Then he turns around and looks at them. And then the next shot is Trish grabbing her face like, uh, uh, you know, all yep. shocked. All Bugged. Around. Yeah. Wouldn't it have been a billion times more effective if Trish swiped him with the machete he turned around, then turned back. She looked at him and then dropped the machete out of shock at what he looks like. Because why does she drop the machete? She swipes him in the face, knocks off the strap, and then just lets go of it and drops it on the floor? That was clearly to set up just so Tommy could grab it and, mm-hmm. and kill him. Right. Why right. not have her drop it out of the shock of looking at, at look at how crazy he is and you know, how crazy looking he is? I think that would have been better. Yes, maybe what? she got a glimpse of Tommy as Billy Corgan in the corner over there, <laughs> <laughs> and it freaked her out. Tonight, tonight, the world is a vampire. You tell me, you tell me, he doesn't look like Billy Corgan. <laughs> Wow, you mentioned my favorite modern band. I took my love and I took it down. Greatest fucking cover ever. Turn around. Ah, that is amazing. great, dude. Uh, yeah, and uh, I wonder if Matt Wazell ever bought a Zeitgeist like that. Matt Wazell? He asked me if that was worth buying. I said yes. I don't know if he got it. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the machete falls. Um, he picks it up, grows four feet tall. Tall, taller. problem with it, dude. <laughs> yeah. He grows four feet taller and swipes directly at Jason's face. Then you get the great scene. And what I noticed this time around was when Jason's sliding down the machete, if you look at his right eye, it's actually moving around like a real person. Yep, and if you look at the left side of his face, it's kind of buckled in and <laughs> and uh, funky looking. Yeah, it doesn't look realistic. It's funny. People praise that as if it's like the greatest, like amazing thing. But and honestly, it looks like a guy falling on a rubber mask. It I does. do think it's a good scene. I mean, I do really enjoy that, but uh, it's flawed. It's sure. 80s. It's 80s. I think hey, a- stop saying that as if everything in the 80s is flawed. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you said that, though, Alex, because they sold this movie on Savini, dude. Like this was Savini and uh, and and. And, you know, the Friday 13th. Yeah, he um, comes back for this Back one. together, yeah. And he said he's coming back to kill his baby or whatever. So that's funny that you said it looks fucking bad because it's, it's Savini. And this was, like, <laughs> probably at the peak of his, all the his shit. The coup de carat of Savini. Yeah, man. But, that yeah, that whole scene is just, yeah, you're right. It's just, um, it, it's flawed from front to back. But I'll bring back what I said earlier. And if anybody's fucking listening and you know what I'm talking about, back me up on this. But originally they had a scene where Tommy was building a fucking laser or whatever the hell it was, dude. And and they were going to use that. And I think he exploded his head or something, dude. But they decided that's clearly too sci-fi and too stupid. So they took that out and put this scene in, which, you know, kill by machete, Jason. Right. It makes sense, right? But with saying that, what you just said, maybe that was it, dude. Maybe they had to just fucking come up with something real quick so that whole, you know, machete dropping, why didn't you just, they, it might have been like, not a reshoot, it might have been, yeah, like a, a, a reshoot, you know, situation where they just had to fucking bam, 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 bang it out, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. uh, 
you know. We should have asked Ted White if he had a headache after that scene. We should have asked him about the laser. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, yeah, somebody's got to know. Fucking get at us. So what do you think about that? How historic that Jason was killed by the very machete that killed his mother? Wait, it was the same one? I don't know. <laughs> it's like, what? Let's just go with that. Well, it was killed by the same weapon. <laughs> That's true. Oh, it's perfect, dude. Perfect ending. And if they went with the other ending, that would have been bullshit, and that would have made it would have made no sense. So yeah, it made sense, except for the fact that Feldman grew four feet. They show up in the hospital. Tommy hugs Trish. He looks into the camera. He's nuts. We should have seen Tommy Jarvis as the killer in part five, but as you all know, it doesn't turn out that way. And that just goes to show you how big fucking Feldman was at that point, huh? Yeah, he couldn't even do it because he had to do Goonies. I mean, and I say how big he was, like, that was pretty much the beginning, but, dude, he was on fire in that little thing. He's like, hey, guys, I'll give you a few days on set, but that's all I got, you know? Yeah, right? Yeah, he uh, hey, listen, he was a great child actor. Yeah. <laughs> There's no emphasis on child. Well, it's like this. I mean, I, I like the Friday 13 series, but I don't think it's good at all. I think it's just a classier B-movie franchise. I agree. So it is. You don't think it's good? What do you mean? Good how? <laughs> I don't think it's well-scripted. I don't think it's a solid story. I don't think... Like, okay, Friday 13th versus John Carpenter's Halloween. Right. It's not a good movie in comparison. Oh, the writing of Friday 13th, like I said on the show, is probably the worst ever. I agree with you. No, I don't, I don't think any of them, Final Chapter 2 or Jason Lives, which I think are the top three, I don't think any of them match Halloween. Well, part, part, part three was on par with Halloween. I no, think. it wasn't. It was just atmosphere. It was atmosphere I'm not, I'm not direction. saying that... It's, I'm just saying, I agree with you. Like, technically, I think that Halloween is a better film, but I prefer mm -hmm. the 13th. Well, dude, it all, it all depends on which way you're looking at it. If you're looking to have fucking fun and drink some beers, dude, I'd rather Friday put on 13th. part four, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, but see, that's 13th, the, yeah, if you're sure. talking about, like, straight-up horror and, and shit like that, you're right, though. But, dude, that's – see, I'm glad you brought that up, bro, because, yo – Think about how much, you guys, we all talk about slashes and shit like that. All right, to me, and I want you guys, everybody's opinion on this and, and your perspectives, really, because we talk a lot about slashers. Would you guys agree that other than action movies like, you know, the Avengers and the Expendables and all those fun movies and shit like that, mm -hmm. it's it's the craziest you can really go within a movie? Like, think about it. Okay, it's horror or whatever. Take away all that shit. These are just stories, dude. Like, at the end of the day, you're writing a story, so you come up with something fucking off the wall or whatever, and, you know, it may have scary aspects in it and, you know, slasher aspects where people die and shit like that. But mainly, dude, a lot of the shit that we like, that we all like, that I've noticed anyways, like slashers, like Friday the 13th series, they're just fucking fun, dude. But it's like it's yeah. like an adult fun. Like, it's almost like, yeah, you know, fucking kiddie movies or whatever, th th those have its place. But it's almost like <clears throat> this is the way... To really tell a story and get away with certain things and take certain liberties and, and go wherever you want with, with the story and, you know, it gets put into the horror category because it may be scary or whatever. I just look at it like they're adult themes and a slasher as silly as they are sometimes and, you know, fucking we talk about part three and then part four and all that shit. Like, I don't like part three, dude, but I, I would watch oh, I'm, part I'm three. insulted now. I'm insulted. I know, right? Oh, yeah, we, I, I, like we, I, I only love part three because the bike is, dude. That dude, I love that dude. Like, I don't know why. I just, I just, I just. That's what I'm saying. Part three like, is my favorite. So, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's your favorite. I, 
I like three, but I don't. I'm not in love with it. I mean, what? I like three. I think what? it's uh, slightly overrated, but I, oh, I like slightly. it. Slightly, slightly. Yeah, you're right on that. Yeah, one. That's the most overrated. It's not as it overrated better, as Jason it was lives. Than some of the ones. Yeah. yeah, Jason lives is overrated. It's not as overrated as Jason lives because Jason lives gets a little too more too much credit. I think. Dude, that gets way too much credit. So no goddamn respect. Pat's the aficionado on rap. So I'm going to ask Pat, what are the best, if I want to get into rap, if anybody says, hey, I hated rap, eh, it's the same old thing, every, it's the same thing every time, what are the best top, what are your top five rap albums, Pat? Oh, shit, rap albums. Is big enough? I, just, I literally go through this shit, like, on a fucking nightly basis, like, my five, like, top favorite rappers. Uh, albums, um... Albums, yeah. I don't want to hear rappers because you might miss, you might hear bad albums. I want to know the real good albums. What are the? F- uh, yeah, yeah. I, I would say Infamous by Mob Deep. That's my favorite. I love, uh, I love Mob Deep. Mob Deep is like the, the, the way they are. Like people compare, like Illmatic is definitely probably one of the greatest rap albums ever recorded. But to me, Infamous captured it because mind, like I have, I, I'm into that like crazy, like hardcore, like murder hip hop. That's like me. That's why I think Infamous is like, there's not a single track on that album that I skip over. Like, I put that on and I'm, it's single playthrough all the time. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to that now. See? I, it worked. What you just said worked. I'm gonna, I have to hear Infamous now. Okay, what else? Mm-hmm. Stillmatic. Okay. Not Stillmatic. That's one album. Stillmatic was like 10 years after Illmatic. Right, right, right. Fucking 94. Fucking one of the greatest years for hip hop. Okay. Chronic by Dr. Dre. The original Chronic, the classic, yeah, okay? Yep, the classic, definitely. <coughs> Probably Enter the 36 Chambers by Wu-Tang. Yes! Wu-Tang Clan. Yep, um, and number five is Soul on Ice by Raskaz. Who? What? Raskaz, uh, you've probably never heard of him. He is no. literally the most fucking intellectual rapper ever. He made, he has a song on this album called Soul on Ice. It's called Nature of the Threat. It is a seven-minute history lesson of mankind. I've heard, smartest, I've heard of this song. Yeah, it's the smartest fucking song ever. Like he is the smartest guy ever, and I don't understand why people are like, why he 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 didn't blow up because he isn't like your typical like rapper now. Like he doesn't rap about like money and partying and everything. Oh, like, what a shame! Like he is the, I say he's probably the second most intelligent rapper ever. Number one being Nas. Yes. Well, here's what I'm interested in. How come? And I'm not defending. I'm not like. I'm not on the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But from what I've always heard, how come you didn't mention any Jay Z albums? Is he not really that great? Overrated. Uh, to me, Jay Z is way overrated. Yep. He is. He I don't like him more. At all, but I don't. I don't either. I think he's yeah. fuck ugly and he's talentless. Really? I he I honestly do see. Dude, I agree with you. The songs I heard, I don't see anything in there. Dead presidents. Too. The song he made, that's a good beat. I could give a shit about the lyrics. I like the beat, but he also has Nas on the fucking hook on that. So right, that's probably right. why it's such a good song. Wow. He, he, Dude. Saw, he instigated way too much shit. He almost right. got killed by he almost got killed by the main rapper in Mob Deep. He almost yep. shot him in a club. He got fucking verbally murdered by Nas on Ever on Stillmatic. Dude, done. I think Freeway is better than him, dude. I mean, even yeah. Freeway, dude. Like, think about it. Like, the way he raps, even. I'm sorry, dude. Fuck it. And it sounds so stupid, some of it. Yo, we rise from the bottom just to make it to the bottom. It's like, what? Like, really? Yeah, like, but like, I love it. A, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Big L. Big L, Big L. Mm-hmm. My, my, yeah, my whole crew he has out. A freestyle. He has a oh. 95 freestyle. 
him and Jay Z. And Jay Z is like on it for like literally like a minute because Big L just fucking just out rhymes him anywhere. And Jay Z like, <laughs> exactly like like Nas said perfectly. Fuck Jay Z. He killed him. Like Jay Z threw out the takeover. Nas put out Ether, and it was fucking over. Right. Right. Well, okay. I'm gonna bring it back to horror for a little bit now, but keep it in rap. When when a guy who's so into rap sees something like Busta Rhymes or L O Cool J in a horror movie, <laughs> what do you think about that? Like, I'm gonna be completely honest. Um, I loved Busta Rhymes in uh, Halloween uh, Resurrection. I loved him just okay. just because that's that's so Busta Rhymes. Just to fucking I agree. Be I agree. ninja kicking Michael Myers. Like, I if you think about like any person like him, like a hood person, they wouldn't. If a serial killer was attacking them, they wouldn't run away. They would fight. Obviously, they would probably like actually fist fight and not just do fucking yeah imitated like Bruce Lee like movie. yeah but, but his know, character was into that shit it was his character yeah it was a little over the top but I loved him because Buster Rhymes was fucking awesome I loved him hey. so, well, just, oh, cool, he wasn't really as big I remember I remember I was only like four when Resurrection came out or H2 came out but I have always been a hardcore Michael Myers fan I love Halloween I love all the movies uh, number six is I love it but it's it's not as good but I love it just because it's part of the series mm-hmm. Um, like Michael Myers is like my favorite Horror, like person of all time, like you know what, dude? I used to say that. I used to say that. Um, I love the Friday the Thirteenth movies more, but Michael Myers is my is my jam. Like that's that's who I like. I agree. Exactly. He's like he's like. I want to say like relatable, but if I was to if I was to become a serial killer, I would emulate him the most. <laughs> well, of course, of course, because you don't want to be a wilderness whack job, like yo. And guys, you don't want to be a pedophile. I'd be silent. I'd be silent. I'd be out in public. People would be fucking generally afraid of me. Exactly. Like, that's the most relatable. Like, I told a story that it became like, uh, you know, uh, no people knowing lore, you know, just of myself when I was on this other show. And it used to be that um, I I had a story one time that when I got into Halloween and I became into modern horror. Which was Halloween. Like, I, I defined Halloween as modern horror. It, it went beyond, you know, black and white and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, even though there was, you know, Black Christmas and maybe Phantasm. I don't exactly know what year that was, but... 79. Okay, so it was after. Okay. Right. So, uh, Halloween is my definition of modern horror and on. And now it's actually become classic and modern, I guess, is now screaming on. I don't really don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, probably, right? Yeah, pretty much, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, t- so I guess, uh, what do we call it then? Because 60s is classic. What do you call 80s? 80s? Um, Nostalgic? Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, I mean, I would say... That's classic. You guys probably know better than me, because, I mean, I wasn't raised or born in... I was like, I wasn't even a fucking far in the 80s, but... You, dude, your dad was still shooting you across the bedroom in, in 1970. <laughs> <laughs> On the wall. <laughs> no, not me. I'm just five. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. So 80s is whatever. Okay, so to me, modern is is Halloween. So when I first got into that, I remember dry. Uh, me and my cousin crazy into that movie, and he was the guy in the the ghost of Michael Myers. If you guys, uh, everybody seen that? Yeah, I, I, was, <laughs> I subscribe to you on YouTube. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so uh, he was in that. So. What we did was I watched Halloween and I had a stereo hooked up to it. So I recorded the ending where it was all just the Halloween music. And I remember yeah. driving back to his house because I had to drop him off at that time. He didn't I – don't, I don't know why he didn't drive or whatever. But So 
we played the Halloween music on the parkway on the way to his house. And as I'm sitting there in the car, I'm holding the wheel, I'm driving. As that music's going, my mind went into the mind of Michael Myers. And I was like... Exactly. Fucking exactly. That's what I mean. Exactly, dude. So I understand that that's who I'd be. And and it made the most sense to me until I I got into Psycho. Now that makes the most sense to me. I was just going to say, you did the same thing with the fucking Norman Bates thing. I I do. I'm a weirdo with the driving in it. If I was to be, like, if I, if I wanted to be any of, like, the, the, like the main, I'd be Freddy Krueger because you can go into people's dreams. And, like, if you think about it, you sleep, like, you go to sleep, you, you think your dream's, like, that's, like, the safest place you can go. Right, right. Yeah. And this motherfucker just comes in and just destroys it. Invades like, it, dude. I mean, yeah. For yeah. me, for me, the two best slasher villains, everybody likes to say Jason's their favorite, and I get that. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's Michael and Freddy, and the reason is yeah, that I don't nice. root for them. I root for Jason, and to me, that makes him less scary. Wait, wait, but you root for him after, like what I said in that retrospective, at part six and on, right? Yeah, but that's what I automatically think of when I think of Jason. Like, I like to think of the human Jason, right? Yeah, exactly. But even then, I didn't find him that scary, because, like, in the final chapter, I didn't care about anybody but the Jarvises. I didn't really give a shit about any of those kids. I thought they were funny. Right, right. I didn't care about them. Good call. But with, with Michael and Freddy, they're just really fucked up and that's what makes yeah, them effective yeah, they, 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 they both play with you yeah they're they're methodic like to me jason's just like a shark he just attacks and leaves he doesn't really think yeah. a whole lot freddy now, is a sadistic person and same goes for michael michael will stalk you for a whole day before he even fucking kill he's him playing tricks life. and treats that's what i think about the, the end and he always like no matter how fast you run he will outwalk you regardless of where you are yeah. yeah yeah there was a great facebook post no matter how fast you think you can run michael myers can outwalk you <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that exactly. thing in leslie vernon <laughs> right, yeah right. yeah but the thing is with freddie i'll i'll go down as as saying that yes i don't like any nightmare on elm streets like the only one i like is two and I don't know why. I'm sure it's nostalgia. I like three. I like two a lot. I think it gets uh, shit on way too much. I do too. I think I think two has the creepier atmosphere of it. Absolutely. That was my first major interview, Mark Pat. And I just I love that movie so much, like Jake, that I I had to talk to this dude. And it's you know the you know obviously the whole controversy with the gay thing, but I, I like the gay thing just because it's um, I don't know how to explain. It. I think it has it, it, more detail. It's more yeah, complex. it adds a little bit of the creepiness to it, definitely. Yeah, Freddy doesn't just want like girls. He wants like this guy. Well, he was a pedophile. Scared. They never said he just liked girls. They said he mainly yeah. liked girls. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, maybe he is gay. And, that, and it ties into the possession thing. Yeah. It, it exactly. ties in perfectly. The fact that Freddy owns him in more way than one. That's what makes him so fucking scary. Exactly. But the thing, the thing I was going to say is that, like, Although I'm not into any Freddy movies, really. I just I, after part, I don't like part one. I know that sounds weird. I don't like. It. I think it's like a cheesy I, shit. I don't. I don't like the third act. That's my only problem with it. I don't like the booby yeah, traps. Yeah, yeah. It felt too goofy. Oh, dude, it's such a cheap-looking, horribly done movie. I think it's really a shit movie. I, I think if a better director was in charge of that movie, it would have been really good. Because that's a. But the whole point is that I think Freddy is a, is a, a great concept. I think that's the greatest concept for a horror villain out of all these guys. Yeah. You know, out of all of them. Yeah, that's definitely agree. Because like. I mean, we actually Halloween now. After you see like number six, but we actually it is like 
the the whole like mystical like so to speak like aspect is there when I rewatch him now like this guy literally like can't die like right there's the they this, he gets fucking shot lit on fire stabbed like he won't die and like it's obviously like it's not, it's not humanly possible so there's obviously some sort of like parent like normal quality right. to him right something or yeah. supernatural quality I should say right and I think that's like that's kind of like nature for me like you have like you think like it was combined so well later on, like, when you look at it again, like, you had this regular just psycho was just stalking these people for nothing, and then you guys, you like, this fucking crazy supernatural, like, killing machine. Like, that's, well, it's, it, I just thought, like, it added, like, a whole new level of, like, like, depth to it. I thought it was awesome. What I thought was so scary about him in the original is, uh, you know, even though everybody didn't, a lot of people didn't like that they explained it in part two that it, why he was going after uh, Lori. Yeah. To me, it didn't ruin it for me because we still didn't know why he was the way he was. Exactly. We knew he was, you know, his parents seemed normal, his sisters seemed normal. So why can't he be killed? Why is he so abnormal? Why is he so supernatural? We don't know. That's true. Yeah. We still don't know much about him, and it isn't until six where we do. So yeah, well, how about this? How about it's it's even eerier that we don't know why why they chose him. Yeah, well, why he can't die or anything in, in the first one because you know so little about him, and it's even worse that you know so much about him as a kid in the remake and and all that that when he doesn't die, it makes even less sense because yeah. He became even more humanized in that. Yeah, you really, yeah, yeah, you like, yeah, you actually had a voice for him this time. So when he doesn't die, it's like, well, well, why? Like, at yeah. least when in the original series, it's like, well, you don't know shit about him. He really did never said a word. He he is almost by not saying a word a supernatural type of thing. And yeah, when you make him so human and started off with that, like, if he doesn't die, then why does that make sense? One thing I, like in the remake, like what he did, he didn't really get shot that many times in the remake, did he? As far as I can remember, he got oh, shot okay. twice with a magnum. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. Well, he he got he, he. But the thing is, like, it wasn't like the whole point was like he was like grazed or something like that. And I mean, I can feel because he was supposed to be like this fucking behemoth of a person. Like, right. I mean, I've right. I know it's like hard to say. Like, I obviously a fucking three fifty seven three fifty seven magnum would take anyone down. But I mean, I could understand like where they're like where like Rosalind is trying to come from. Like, yeah, he's so like big. Like, the realism is that like a person that big wouldn't go down with just one shot. Yeah, they yeah they made it physical. It, yeah, you never really know. Like, it's it's a gun. A gun can fucking take anyone out. Like, regardless. Yeah, like, yeah, I really. Know. It hits your heart. You're dead. I don't care. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. About the whole supernatural thing, that's what I love about the original because uh, it gives you a false sense of security because. You don't know until the closet scene that he's anything but just a person. You think yeah. he's just some dude in a mask. And so it gives you this false sense of hope because you're like, ah, oh, well, at least if Loomis catches up with him, he'll die, right? right and right, then right. it turns out, not nah, fuck you, you're wrong. Yeah, and you think, oh, if she stabs him in the heart, yep. he's, he's probably going to die. That's what made that creepy is like, yep. you know, it's just some random dude. It doesn't matter. He's just got a fucking mask or whatever. But about Freddy, guys, about the uh, about his backstory and shit like that, what did you guys think of um, of Never Sleep Again? Oh, the documentary? It was great. It was better than the movies. Hey, what the yeah, Alex? The thing, that's what I was going to say, dude. That documentary, I will watch that documentary over the movies. I'd rather watch that than 
we'll sit through all those movies. Well, uh, Alex, uh, you, I'm sorry, that. No, I was just going to say, I really like the Nightmare franchise. I just hate four or five and six, really. Well, how much, what, what's left? <laughs> I know, right? For me, three more years is like, shit. They were like two eighties for me, those last three. I don't understand. They were just like two, like. But what do you, what do you consider the last three? Like, uh, do you consider Freddy vs. Jason in that or no? So, to me, Freddy vs. Jason is kind of like, um, I'm trying to think, like, hybrid. I think it should have been done at a later time. What about New Nightmare, dude? I love that movie. Oh, I love I, New Nightmare. New Nightmare is the smartest one. one. Exactly. Yeah. I saw that one after the first one before I even saw the rest of them. Word? I fucking loved it. Dude, that brought Freddy Krueger fucking back to the forefront, man. He was scary as fuck in that movie. Yeah, but, yeah. The documentary, though, Never Sleep Again, um, everybody loves that. That Correct me if I'm wrong. That's kind of, since that was made, has that not become the template for fucking, you know. not For documentaries, yeah. I, I mean, everybody that. was disappointed with his name was Jason. Oh, so yeah. So when they saw Never Sleep Again, and then they found out the people behind it are doing the Friday one, they're like, okay, this is the one we want. And we just posted that new news on that Friday one, and it's going to be seven hours. Holy I got some, fuck. I got some more news, guys. <laughs> I heard back from the writer of Halloween 6 himself and the writer of ne- uh, uh, the director of Never Sleep Again and this new one coming out, Dan Farrens. Oh, shit, yeah. Would you like me to read it? Yes. Yeah. This is me first. I go, hey, Dan, so excited about this news. I was wondering if you would like to come on the show, the Skeleton Crew, to promote it. Hope all is well, man. Rock and roll. Thanks, Dan. Sure thing. I'd love to participate in your show. Just tell me what you need and when. Things are going to be pretty hectic for the next month or so as we race to finish, as we race to the finish line on CLM. Crystal Lake Memories. Yeah, exactly. Maybe sometime in July would work. Also, since you were on my pay it forward list, wanted you to know that you should not purchase a copy of the documentary. Not saying why, but well, I've got connections. So what I'm saying is we got Dan Farron's coming on, dude, fucking to explain and fucking talk and shoot the shit. And he wrote, uh, what is it, Girl Next Door, too. Or I'm sorry, he adapted the screenplay for that fucked up movie. Jake, we've talked about that movie before. Oh, the uh, Jack Ketchum, yeah. Jack that. Ketchum novel, yeah, that uh, he, he, he wrote the screenplay for. But yeah, yeah. man, so <clears throat> Dan Farrens is coming on the show, dude, and I am just so fucking excited because, dude, we talked to uh, Lido too, I believe. I don't know if Lido did the music. He did. Lido did the music on, um, on Never Sleep Again, and I know he works with Dan a lot, so I think he's most – I'm not going to quote him on that. I'm not going to quote you know anything, but yeah, I think he's doing the music on that too, so – that documentary is fu- dude it's going to be phenomenal like that's going to be great a friday the 13th version of that and let's face it i mean i think can we all agree that freddy's not our favorite uh, jason probably is over freddy or- oh yeah even though freddy's a better concept jason actually just did it better at the end of it oh, yeah, jason's like, everybody's like- favorite but i like freddy more it's just yeah? like- i like yeah, okay. i like jason's just like sheer like no i like i like like i think my favorite of his is in number 7 where like that bitchy girl is like bolting in the house, and he's just there, and he fucking hums the axe in her head, and just tosses her across the room. I yeah, love that. Yeah. Behind a TV. <laughs> I can't believe you you picked out seven out of all the I movies. Know, I, know. I just like I, I love like I love violent shit, just because like I just think it's I don't know why I just no, it's great. No, no, dude, that's the greatest kill of that movie. Honestly, it really it really is, and I love like the other one, and I think it's number six, maybe I might be seven to where he just fucking shoves his fist into this guy's spine, breaks his neck, and then takes the machete. 
That's seven, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 dude, I love that fucking scene. And and this documentary too is gonna fucking cover everything, dude. I mean, think about how long the uh, Freddy one was. And uh, yeah, that this was like is four hours. Yeah, but dude, this is how it fucking. I think it was actually longer than that, bro. Yeah, and, it might have been. Yeah, and, and and this is what I'm saying though. Like, this should be what documentaries should be like. Fans doing this shit and doing it right. And he told me he, dude. This motherfucker got interviews with everybody, dude. I mean, like, from the top to the bottom, dude. Corey That's Feldman is fucking in that shit, dude. Everybody, bro. This is gonna, this is gonna be probably, I'd say, one of, probably, if not the best, uh, horror documentary. Um, definitely out of the big four and, and, and all documentaries and, and all that shit, dude. This is gonna be the best one. Cause Dan Ferentz also did, his name was Jason, but, as I talked to him before, and, and he's he's publicly stated this too, it didn't turn out the way he wanted to because of, uh, one, restraints. And uh, I guess uh, I, I want to say something with the studio. I could be wrong. Or something something happened where it wasn't his total vision. So with the Freddy thing came out, boom, that's what they're going for. It's basically a fucking uh, a version of that. So I'm pumped, man. And Dan Farrens is the fucking pumped. man, dude. He's so chill. And I can't wait to have him on, dude. Alex, Jamie, get ready to geek the fuck out. We're having him on in July. Yeah. And that's one of those interviews where I'm not going to prep too much because I'd, I'd yeah. rather just – yeah, I'd rather just ask him like, so what's going to be on this thing, this you know, Crystal Lake Memories? What's going to be on it? And from there, I'm going to do my questions off of what he says. Dude, this motherfucker wanted Stern in Halloween 6, dude. Like Halloween 6 would have been so fucking tight if, if they did it exactly the way he wanted to. Just like uh, I, I recently read – I was telling Alex this. I recently read the script. Has anybody read the script for Scream 4, Williamson's, ori- Williamson's original fucking Scream 4 script? No. Dude, all right. Here's how it went. Jill fucking kill you know doesn't kill Sydney but she thinks she kills her Dewey comes up and oh we have a survivor and you know it's Sydney boom cut to black and they were going to set up part 5 what part mm. 5 was going to be is now the following that what? show the following right they were going to use Jill <clears throat> and have her you know, get arrested, be in jail, and have fucking followers and shit like that. And they would have taken certain aspects from the following and used that for Scream 5 and then setting up Scream 6. Dude, this is what I'm saying, though. I ah, pisses me off. Dan Farron's fucking putting Stern in and shit like that. Can you imagine fucking all this shit if they actually didn't fuck with all the writers' ideas, dude? It, it, it would yeah, be... Oh, she'll be so much better. Ah, oh, it's, it's unbelievable, man. Studio and interference is scary, man. Isn't it? Yeah, and it's but the thing is, they think they're doing the right thing, and it's like, yo, are you fucking crazy? Like Kevin Williamson knows what the fuck he's doing. He wrote a new, um, a new trilogy, you know, a new a Scream Four to set up Five and Six, dude. Now there's nowhere to go with that movie, dude. You can't yeah, do really shit <laughs> except, oh, I got an idea. Let's put it on MTV. Oh, fucking hell. Oh, or like a new movie, like oh, let's find another relative that can right. be a fucking killer. Like it's it's they kind of stretched it out. Like they stretched it even a little bit at the second one with fucking the mother being the killer and the like best friend. Like right. I could see if it was more like the best friend, but the mother being the killer that was kind of outstretched. Like <laughs> it was, it and, was. And then the third one, the brother. I thought oh, that was God. a cool concept because you find out he manipulated. Like he kind of masterminded the whole. Thing I like the first that. One. I that like took me out of it, yeah, dude. 
that see, took a, me out of it. it. Yeah, see, some people hate that. I liked it, dude. I also think though that in Williamson's original fucking scripts, uh, Stu came back. And dude, as much as everybody loves Stu, do you guys really think that would have worked? No, well, he was, was fucking I dead as shit. Cool to see. Yeah, it wouldn't. It would have been yeah. cool to see, but it would not have. Right. Thank you, dude. That's exactly how I feel, dude. So anyways, I don't know. That's just my little rant on uh, writers and, and people coming in and fucking with them. But dude, think about it. If they asked Williamson to come back for five, I would not blame him for telling them to go fucking shove it up their ass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did you ever, uh, did you guys hear, you know, this happened a long time ago, of course, but uh, Tarantino was originally going to pen the script yes. for uh, Halloween 6. I heard that, yeah, I heard that. God, that been imagine, dude. That would have been fucking nuts. Holy, Holy shit. And I saw in an interview too, man, he, he actually talked about that a little bit. And he, oh, yeah, that would have been fun. Yeah, that would have been cool, huh? Because, dude, Tarantino, as you guys know, he's like an encyclopedia of fucking movies. Like, he, oh, yeah. Like, wow, like, I know we're nothing as far as like, you know, people. Dude, people are into so many movies. Like, Jake, even Jake was like, Yo, have you seen fucking this movie? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, I'm so out of the loop compared to some people. And, and and then, you know, you look at all of us, dude, and we're not even close to where Tarantino's at as a fan, you know? Yeah, but exactly. uh, anyways. He's like, fucking, he's a like. He's a beast. Uh, I know people forgive him shit for some of the stuff he makes, but he oh. makes some good stuff. And did, did anyone else hear, like, what he, like, plans to do with his next movie? Uh, which like, is um, what? It's it's supposed to be another like historical one like Inglorious Bastards and Django, mm-hmm. except it's called like it's supposed to be like Killer Crow or something like that. It's about a bunch of like black like soldiers in World War Two who just like go ape shit and just like who make a war path. Like, I did hear about like that. Did hear about this? I'm yep. Like, yeah, I was like, thought, I was like, I can't fucking wait because that's gonna be awesome. <laughs> it might be like a kind of black exploitation like Jackie Brown was, which would be cool. Yeah, to that right, awesome. right. Jackie Brown or Blackula. Right? Black, yeah, <laughs> or Frank and Black, or wait, what was it? Blackenstein. We were just yeah. talking about. Uh, we were just talking about in the previous segment here too. Man of Steel. Now, and we talked about how shitty uh, Superman Returns was and shit like that. Yeah, now, awesome. now, yeah. without getting too much into it, you guys, what what, what do you think? Fucking, because um, it's Superman, dude, and Superman's corny as fuck. The suit's corny as fuck, and it's like yeah, it's yeah, just a corny yeah, ass yeah. character. Do you think that's probably the most difficult um, superhero to bring to uh, bring to, to to bring it to fruition for one and and then B I guess or A one B two three six um, to bring it to screen and make it like badass dude like that's hard to do with Superman yeah it right? definitely is I mean people are complaining yeah. about the suit being darker but oh. to me it kind of needs that exactly dude. It needs that, like, Dark Knight, like, thing to it. It needs that realism. Like, that's the only way it's going to work today. Like, you make, if you made it, like, the other ones, if they, people like, oh, like, like I said, like, you complain about the suit being dark. If you made that light-colored and then you made it, like, the concept that it's in now, I guarantee you there would be massive people giving it shit and, like, saying it fucking sucked. Like, yeah, you just can't win anyone over these days. Like, it really sucks. But I think they have it in the right hands. I definitely think it's going to work. Right, and then that's where, yeah, man, that's why I'm fucking, I'm so excited for that movie, and, uh, you know, there's just, I, I think we really do live in a golden age right now. We got all these horror remakes, and, you know, Evil Dead just came out, and you got all these sequels being made, and 
Phase 2 of Avengers and Man of Steel coming out. Iron Man 3 just dropped and that's like an afterthought. You know what I mean? It's like so much shit, you guys. It's almost like, wow. Like, I'm not even talking horror-wise. I just mean in general. Like, if you're a geek, dude, this is fucking our time, dude. What what other time period could rival right now? Somebody please tell me where, where it even comes close. There was a time where superhero movies were, like, obsolete, weren't they? Yeah. Like, in the 90s and 80s, especially, like, except for Batman and, like, Superman. Like, they weren't doing the Marvel shit back in the 90s and 80s. And when they did, they kind of were shitty. Like, like, the Punisher was bad. Yeah, Punisher was fucking Dolph Lundgren. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, dude. I forgot all about that. Dude, that Thomas uh, Jane movie, though, I love that movie. Oh, my God. That fucking movie. I love that movie. That's why I think... Punisher is probably like my favorite of all the superheroes next to Blade. How is Warzone? Did anybody see the second one, Warzone? I never saw that. It was corny I as did. fuck. Yeah. I like it just because I had guns and people getting fucking right. <laughs> yeah. destroyed by bullets, but it was not really a good story. Yeah, yeah, so I know we're going off on a little tangent here, but I just think the state of movies now, dude, with, with Carrie coming out and, and and fucking, you know, even just talks of another Halloween. I mean, there were times where... You know, there were there was nothing going on. You know, I mean, just I know. That's why I think it's weird. Like we're at a standstill right now. It's just right. three like major slashers, like Freddy, Jason, right. and Michael. Right. Like we don't really have like another movie like planned for any of those. TC three D. That was amazing. <laughs> Texas Chainsaw. It was. It was, it, it was. Yeah, it was a different movie. I mean, it was different. I, I love. I love the second one. To be honest. Honestly, the second one. I love the fucking craziness of it. I love Dennis Hopper and that dude. He's the fucking Morning, man. motherfucker. <laughs> as, <laughs> I knew we were getting shit for that. Yeah, right. <laughs> as far as Texas Chainsaw 3D goes, I didn't like it, but I will say it's not my least favorite, nor is Next Generation. That would be the beginning. Word. Word. Oh, yeah, wait, what's your least favorite? The beginning. Yeah, the beginning's my least favorite. I can't what? stand that movie. I really can't. I'm sorry. Uh, I can't do it. I forgot. Did we say something good about that or no? I liked it. A lot of people oh. say good things about it, and I get it. I understand. It's just I, I don't. You didn't like you know. it, Alex, at all. You you had nothing to say about it. You're really? Just like, no, I don't even remember this movie. Yeah, whatever. They didn't like. <laughs> so, didn't the biker? Yeah, whatever. I don't even remember. Oh no! At the end of it, I was I was just so tired. It was just one of those movies, though, that um for a lot of people, it's just like, oh god, we got another one, and that has to do with mainly the 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 resurgence of horror or lack thereof, and and just kind of rehashing shit like okay that first one badass you know that first Texas Chainsaw remake I, I liked it but with the beginning it just turned it was like the same fucking thing really so it's like okay whatever so that's what I mean like melodramatic as fuck too it was a good point but yeah yeah and, and, but now it's just like wow dude like okay yeah Leatherface fucking 3D whatever whatever but even just the fact that it's they're so self-aware like look at what they did with Leatherface like Jamie said fucking walking down with Winnie the Pooh and it's like I love that shit regardless of it's a great movie or not the state of horror and the way it's looked at it's starting to get a respect and not like that respect isn't turning into like oh my god we gotta be serious with it it's actually the opposite where you get fucking Texas Chainsaw 3D and shit like that and to me it's not the worst movie and like I said you got Carrie coming up you got fucking dude even I'm not even talking remakes I even look at fucking um what is it The Conjuring coming up it's like are you kidding me and then with yeah. Bates Motel dropping and shit like that 
come on now. Like, I'm sorry, man. It's almost like making my head dizzy just thinking about it, dude. There's so much fucking shit. And that's why, like, it doesn't make me mad that people fucking rag on everything. But it's like, yo, man, just fucking sit back, relax, and count some stacks, dude. Realize that fucking all this badass shit is going on around us. Even, like, me and Alex were talking about the first X-Men. They didn't embrace the whole superhero thing. They shied away from it. And they're like, oh, we're trying to go real with it and, you know, not give anybody too many powers. And it's like, okay, flash forward, fucking Avengers. Okay. And and Mm -hmm. finally, everybody's starting to see, oh, I I get it now. Like, okay, we're supposed to embrace it. And same with horror, you know? And you can look at Leatherface and whatever it was. But, dude, that, that shit's fucking great, dude. Whether you like it or not, dude, the state of horror, the state of fucking geekiness and all that shit is at an all time high. And I fucking love yeah, exactly. it. You know, I think like the only I think the only Marvel movie that it really works with realism mm-hmm. is Punisher and Blade. Yep. Those are the only two ones that you can really get into like a real Marvel because it's like they're just like so like gritty. What do you guys think about uh Marvel acquiring the rights back to Blade and Ghost Rider? Do you think it's necessary? You think they're gonna do anything with it or I think well, it's, it's good that they have it, definitely. As long as they have like the right people for it, that's all you need. With Ghost Rider, I'm not that excited, only because, I mean, if they do it good, fine, but the last two, eh. Well, even Mendez was there. Yeah, if they do it right, though, that'd be pretty badass to see, and Blade is good. I mean, I like the first two Blade movies, so. Well, Blade was was not a part of the Avengers, but he was in that universe. They they crossed over with Blade a lot, so that's just Marvel, you know? (laughs) And, you know, so, anyways, but yeah, you know... Talking about the state of movies now, dude. I'm glad you guys came on the show so we can fucking rap about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Anytime you guys want to fucking come back, you know, you know what time it is. All right. I'm on that shit. And just in closing, I just want I just want to ask you real quick for the Psycho retrospective. Did did the uh, review of Psycho Three make any of you two like it any more or less, or give it any more thought or less? Yeah, I haven't. I've only seen the first one. I'm gonna be honest. I haven't really oh. gotten them, but I, I no, I did make it a point. I am going to try and watch them. Wait, so you listened to the whole thing and still didn't watch them? Yeah. What is that like? I, I honestly like the way it is with me. You can say all the stuff you want about it, but it's nothing until I actually see it yet. So you heard the whole retrospective and detailed conversation about it. and It didn't bother you that you don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, I guess yeah. Excellent. I love it. Okay. <laughs> well, guys, thanks. Like Dan said, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, it's been great. And this is what it's all about, man. Definitely. Thanks for fucking having us. Hey, yo, me and Goo are going to the Metropolitan House, son. We're going to catch some motherfucking ghosts this Halloween. Oh, cause... yeah. I'm, I'm down. I'm down. Yeah, yeah man. We better see some video casts of that shit. <laughs> I can't guarantee any ghosts, but there will be ghouls. There will be ghouls. I just want <laughs> Yeah, there will be a ghoul. I just want to see the ghoul staring at a building and and talk and staring for five minutes and yeah I'll be like yo ghoul you want to hit this blunt and he'll just look at me all creepy like <laughs> no I honestly I honestly don't I don't know my friend said they said legit I was just staring at the fucking building for like a solid five minutes you better do it again for the video that's all I'm saying I'll I'll try <laughs> well and hey we'll be right back and hopefully we can have you guys on uh, sometime soon and uh, you know we'll catch you on the flip bitches any last words guys. Skeleton Crew sucks! <laughs> <laughs> nah, uh, Skeleton Crew fucking rules. Um, Matt Wessel, you the shit. Um, Matt Wessel! 
<laughs> that was all my mistake. Listener uh, letters! Uh, listener like, letters! <laughs> uh, the, the ghouls are on the rise. That's what I'll leave you with. Yeah, bitch. Uh, and Jake, Jack, Cor- Jack Courthouse, what do you have to say? Yeah, this is uh, Jack Courthouse, and uh, I just want to say <laughs> thanks for uh, for having me on. I love the Skeleton Crew. It's the only podcast I listen to anymore, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. Glad I could talk about ghosts and movies and, and Cherry Moon Zombies' ass and shit. Life. <laughs> and it was not flat. No, it was not flat. It was a it was a firm ass. It was great. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. And we fucking love you guys. And uh, yeah.